May all that you stand for and that we stand for be preserved under the providence of God for the happiness of mankind. The trouble is caused by unthinking people who carelessly throw away ageless ideals as if they were old and outworn machines. But it is the values of individual liberty, equality before the law and the supremacy of people over the state to which we can always with confidence return as a powerful and uniting force. Australia is not a secular country. It is a free country. G'day and welcome to The Good Source. I'm Dave Pello and today we've got a fantastic lineup. We've got George Christensen, Dylan Oakley and a whole bunch of other people as well, including Damien Curry and Matthew Littlefield. We're going to be doing a uh, post-election analysis whereby we're going to be just talking about the election on the weekend. This is the regular time slot for Pello Talk Live. We're trying to do this Monday, middle of the day for the foreseeable future, and we will rebroadcast it uh, approximately six hours later tonight after dinner, Eastern Standard Time, 7, 7.30, 8. Uh, so stick tuned, stick to this channel, stay tuned to this channel, and uh, we'll be um, sharing this again in, in prime time. Um, but here in the middle of the day, we'll be able to interact with your uh, comments and questions, and uh, we're going to be essentially going through the panel and, and sharing some different opinions. Uh, today, the theme is obviously the federal election. Uh, so, Damien, you were the candidate for the seat of Ryan, um, an inner city seat. And yep. um, that you, your worst fears um, were realised, and a Greens has been elected, um, ousting a Green Liberal. Yes, exactly. So, uh, as 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 we would have expected, I guess, uh, my goal was to basically prevent the Greens from winning, but uh, I certainly came nowhere near having enough of the vote to do that. Uh, Damien was LDP, by the way. We didn't. Yes, mention. yes, Liberal Democrats. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. So. Um, look, you know, uh, in, in my electorate, uh, I was lucky enough to finish fourth. Um, so well I, I was the leader of the minor parties uh, in our electorate, um, but a very tough electorate to win because it is an, in a very, very green seat. I was motivated to run after we lost uh, Maywa, the state seat that sits within, one of the state seats that sits within Ryan. Mm -hmm. um, we lost that to um, the, uh, the Greens, uh, to a state candidate. Uh, for the second time in the in the last state election. Mm -hmm. And so I thought I'd better get out there and run because Julian Simmons, who was the incumbent uh, LNP guy, uh, was starting to put out brochures that were more green than blue in the uh, physical colouring on them wow. um, and had little tiny Liberal Party logo at the bottom. He's what thought, I've, become to, I've come to call a teal liberal. Yeah, so I think we needed to kind of have a, somebody fighting the Greens rather than yeah, aligning with the Greens or trying to beat them on that platform. Well, what's, so, what's the, what's the Damien, you must have done a bit of, of research into the seat. Uh, what's the um, average uh, household income? Uh, it's pretty high. Actually, I don't know the actual number on that specifically, but it's, um, it's, a very, it's one of the highest in the state. And <laughs> one of the sad things about this whole phenomenon that we're seeing, and I, I saw a map today of Sydney, um, the entire shore, both north and south shore of, of central Sydney, is all was all once liberal, is yeah. now zero liberal. Yeah. Right. It's all gone. It, it, to the These people don't impress me much. You know, they, they like no. you know, they made all their money on the backs of others. They made a lot of money. Probably if you dug deep, there was some fossil fuel related thing that uh, they made money out of, whether it was stocks or whether it was uh, you know, through the industry they were involved in and all the rest of it. Now they want to 
absolve themselves by voting green, which just leads to socialism. These people don't impress me much. There's no the people who can afford to play with green policies, like which the rest of us can't. Yeah, they're yeah. the people who will who will who will be impacted the least. They're voting, and the impact will be felt on much poorer communities, mm -hmm. uh, like those around where I live in the Mackay region. Yep. Well, look at the candidates, right? Um, the three, the, the candidates, even in Brisbane, lots of double-barrelled names going around for starters, uh, which is always a sign of some degree of, uh, of, of wealth or heritage of note. Mm. Um, but uh, it's quite funny. I was thinking I should yeah. change my name to Curry Smythe or something. Um, <laughs> but uh, What's your middle name? Let's yeah, <laughs> Peter. Peter. Damien Peter. Peter. Damien Peter Curry. Um, yeah. I could have got a few more votes if I changed my name to Christy Hanson. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, look, it's just, it, it is a reality that the, that this is the phenomenon and, uh, and it's a detachment. It's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, as they say, you know, once you get to a certain level and you've got your basic needs met, you start to think about other, you have the luxury of being able to think about these things that, um, but they're not thinking about them in a very same way. Um, so we have to fight the climate message. I think it's, it's. You're a former journalist with ABC and Seven and Ten in, in various times, and you basically got out of it before mm. the whole industry got completely harloted. Um, what? It was a little harlotty back then, but it wasn't nowhere near what it was. Before like it got now. completely yeah. harloted. Right. Yeah. Now, now it's just complete. We had some grown ups in the room with, at the ABC, with, which with, we don't have anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, I, I guess uh, my question is completely gone from my head. Um, <laughs> Sorry, took uh, me down that media path. Yeah, the, that, say that media I used path. to work in the media, therefore. Uh, what do you think is of the commentary that has been happening? The, the, the common, the mainstream or the lying harlot media's explanation for why uh, the Liberals have lost all of those um, seats held <laughs> by moderates. It's hilarious. Um, I mean, we're listening to the, uh, you know, the ABC saying that it's because of the the fact that we the Liberal Party didn't go or the LNP didn't go left enough or didn't go climatey enough because they were too conservative because um, they were too yeah exactly. <laughs> um, the reality is, you know, there's the, the freedom friendly minor parties have come up around sort of you know nine to eleven percent I think in most seats. Um, there was a ten percent swing to other excluding UAP and One Nation, I think. Um, so that's, uh, you know, that's pretty significant. And I think you've just got to look at that and say, well, there's a divided nation on it. We've got a divided nation. Um, and I can't see how we can continue to have, uh, first of all, I cannot see how we can, George might have an opinion on this, but I can't see how we can continue to have an LNP in Queensland. I think we have to see that experiment's over. Yes. Um, Secondly, what I do don't mean? know if we can have a Liberal Party in Australia. Split. I think we've got to split that Liberal Party. So we're going to de-amalgamate the LNP. Absolutely. Oh, that's Absolutely. just a given, to my view. It's yeah. just a given. Do you well, think there'll possible. be? Do you think that's a possibility? Will they? Will they consider uh, that an option? Well, we've got two choices: oblivion or or do it. They have to. I don't, I don't know. What do you think? Well, George. Well, I'm 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 very much open to it. I mean, not that I really care too much anymore, because quite frankly. Um, you know, I was about to say I've left the LNP, and I have, but the LNP left me. So, uh, uh, you know, quite frankly, I don't care what they do. But uh, when I was in it, I did believe that there should be a demerger. Uh, having said that, I can tell you that there are teal nationals as well, would you believe? Um, the deputy leader of the uh, National Party, David Littleproud, being one of them. Wow. So, yeah, uh, uh, 
you know, we've got the, the member for um, uh, from Gippsland, uh, Darren Chester, being another one. So there are factions even in the National Party that try and uh, that fight on this issue. Uh, the National Party accepted um, net zero. I mean, they had the chance to uh, to stop that from being coalition policy because obviously it means the Liberals and the Nationals have to agree for that to be coalition and therefore government policy. And they didn't. They accepted the majority of the Nationals. So oh. this is not just an issue that's going to be fixed by uh, splitting a party and putting a different logo on it. Um, and look, I think actually, to be quite honest, that climate change stuff, as important as it is, was a secondary issue for me than the issue of freedom. Mm. But the two become linked eventually because you have... Uh, the green movement, the hardcore green movement, calling for measures that we deployed in COVID to be deployed uh, for climate change or for the sake of uh, wow. man-made catastrophic climate change, of which there is no such thing as the well, catastrophic well, I, I think the, climate change. I, I think the climate change issue, certainly in the inner city um, electorates like mine, the climate change issue just had so much more weight than I, than I thought it would have. Um, given that there is very little science to support a direct connection between, um, you know, the floods and the bushfires and, and CO2 science. levels, right? It doesn't need to be science because there's consistent messaging and that's what convinces yeah, right. people more. Yeah, and I think they just won that. Um, that they, I mean, if people believe that there's a connection between the floods and the bushfires and climate change, um, and then they're going to vote for climate change. And it's know? a lie. It's a and lie it's that a we're lie. told. There's yeah. been bushfires, there's been floods, there's been cyclones yeah. many times before that have been worse than what we've seen in recent history, and it is an absolute lie. And if you asked any serious credentialed um, fire expert, uh, weather expert, they would tell you, even though Bureau of Meteorology acknowledges that cyclonic activity that's going on at the moment doesn't have anything to do with climate change. Uh, well, so I know three engineers or four engineers and not one of them believe in climate change or think climate change is, is a, I mean, everyone accepts that the CO2 level is rising, but is, whether that's causing a rise in temperature or change in the climate in any dramatic way, uh, they all say, not that, oh, it might be, but it could be. They all say it's bunk. Like they don't, they point blank tell me no. And these are not necessarily people on our side of politics either, but they just no. happen to be engineers. The environmental scientists, though, that I know, all believe it's real. Yeah, so it's who, who, where are these 97%? You know, yeah. that's just the, the, pro the problem is we've had having the debate here now amongst uh, you know the deplorables, but uh, the, the the debate hasn't happened to any great degree no. in the in the in the political landscape. The debate has been has is is over because actually the opposing side never fronted up to actually have the debate. Yes, um, yeah. and 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 this has come to bite the conservatives. Uh, when I say conservatives, I'm using that in inverted commas now. Uh, or as conservative as much as the Conservative Party in the UK is conservative. Uh, uh, the that is not at all. And that is not at all. And that's right. And um, it, it may become conservative again, but they haven't debated this issue. They haven't put the other side of the argument. And uh, they've, they've ended up caving. And then uh, when there is nothing that divides the two parties, if you've got Labor and Labor light, why go for the imitation? Go for the real thing. Of course. Or even in some seats where you've got green and green light, um, why... Go for the invitation. And that applied to both parties because Terry Butler would probably have to be the greenest Labor MP in Queensland. And uh, in, in in Ryan, what did you say? That the Liberal uh, member there, uh, Julian um, Simmons, Simmons yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. had the green colours on his... Uh, on his uh, I was, it, but as soon as I saw that come out, and, I, and I, I thought, okay, there were two things that happened that made me jump ship from that party. And I'd only been back for a year, so I'd only been a member for about four months. But I went to my first LNP meeting 
uh, and it was Senator James McGrath's uh, conversation in the pub, politics in the pub. And mm -hmm. I thought, oh, this will be robust. So I go in and it was the most conservative setup I've ever seen. There were rows of chairs and we were all sat down. There were no state members. Uh, there were just two federal, McGrath and uh, Senator Ryan from Victoria who came up. Um, and then two city council people. And uh, they started by saying, uh, and I personally believe that we lost Maywa because uh, we didn't run an ideological campaign strongly enough um, against the Greens and that we, we just went with a, a tweak around the edges, focused on the local issues thing. And the first message that came out of that meeting was, um, look, you know, we've done really well in the local city council. We've done it by focusing on local issues. Therefore, we should be focusing on local issues at every level. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You're not going to win state and federal elections necessarily on local issues, especially in the middle of an ideal. Yeah. Um, so I got up and said that and was promptly shut down and <laughs> at one point even asked to leave after I persisted in saying it. <laughs> wow. um, yeah, it was quite an experience. Politics I thought, well, this pub. might not be. <laughs> then a lot of people were more worried about talking about how many women were being elevated in the LNP and there were all these there woke sort of identity politics issues coming up. And I thought, you know what, <clears throat> this isn't the party for me. There are a few old guys who came up to me afterwards and said, good on you, and I agree with you. Um, but the majority of people in there wouldn't. I was. I became a pariah from that moment forward, and I thought, "Wow, this is really uh, a different kind of party." So, I, I jumped to the Liberal Dems. Yeah. yeah, no, I was just going to say, and this is this begs a question: uh, Is there hope for the LNP going forward in the future? I mean, this this demolishing that's happened across the nation might give the LNP a chance to get back to its conservative values and, and fix things up. But a lot of people are asking the question, is it, is it the end? You know, I know George has said he's washed his hands. He, he, he doesn't have, care anymore what, what the LNP do. He's gone to One Nation. Um, you know, and it's funny, I'm an LNP voter in the sense if I wasn't voting for a major party, a minor party, I would put LNP in there. But I've got to be honest, when I saw... Uh, Anthony Albanese doing his victory speech, if you like, I thought to myself, I wouldn't have been able to, uh, I, I'd prefer to see him doing it than Scott Morrison with that smirk. And it right. was just like Scott Morrison, he, he, the, the LNP had to get a message this election. They got that. Uh, I would have liked to have seen freedom parties keeping uh, the ALP honest, but we have what we have, but it, it could not be an LNP victory at this election. So George, have they got the message? And so here's, no. here's my question. Some of them. Is Victorian Liberals got decimated with Matthew Guy at the helm who couldn't answer a question about what to do about safe schools and <coughs> radical mm. um, comprehensive sexuality education. Couldn't yeah, answer it. Easy. Yeah, they're, they're it, it was a Dorothy Dixer. Benny Finn, they're kicking out Benny Finn for being It, it was a Dorothy Dixer. He totally squibbed it, went yeah. soft. Uh, Queensland election, Deb Frecklington's asked, you know, would you close borders? And instead of being different from Labor, she said, oh, we'll just do whatever the bureaucrats say and got flogged at the election, uh, South Australian election. Um, they, they had the Premier who legalised euthanasia and abortion from the Liberal Party. And COVID mania. And, of course, all the COVID mania. And they totally, totally squibbed the election again. WA. Um, then in oh, WA, yeah, wow. WA, you had Zach... Kirkup, who is as green as they come, who campaigned on climate and touchy-feely lefty things. 38 years old. And then they got the totally up, flogged sorry. at the election again. Um, and when they were nearly wiped off the board and completely irrelevant, oh, it's because we were too conservative. We've got too many Christians and conservatives in the party. Now the same things are happened again at the federal level. 
Um, the, the, now we've actually got some, some empirical evidence that the vast majority of members who've been wiped out were those sopping wet leftist moderate progressives. Um, they've been wiped out. There's been some conservative collateral damage in there, but three out of four of the people who've lost have been moderates. And they again... Yeah, saying, but they've lost to moderates. So they've lost to the Teal Independence. So in the great war between Simon Holmes Accord but they're not and moderate. Josh Frydenberg, Simon Holmes Accord has won. That's all but that's happened here. It's only, just... only the left lying harlot media is calling them moderates as if to contrast with the Liberal Party. The reality yeah. is they're Greens. Yes, they're and moderate. So they're moderate. The Liberal moderates they're, they're, lost yeah. to the Greens who were dressed in a shade between green and blue. But they didn't lose to moderates. They lost to Greens. Yes. The moderates have lost. Some of them are a little bit more politically probably would, would not define themselves as left wing, but they're definitely uh, several the, of them the are. the Teals or the yeah, Liberals? I think lost. so. I mean, my understanding oh. is that, that that's the positioning Simon Homeschool's trying to go for, right? Yeah, but we can't believe that's why they they're Yeah, no, of course. Of course. No, no, from my perspective, they're, they're all, you know, way yeah. into the identity politics, given the fact that they're yeah. all women. Um, they do have some corporate experience. They've got some some real world experience, which is a small blessing. But it's all within that corporate Australia bubble, which itself is but, very woke. But so he, yeah. my question is: yeah. Surely the Liberal Party at some point has to be capable of honest self reflection mm. and and go, you know what? Maybe we should be a little bit more conservative, libertarian, classical liberal yeah. instead of shunning and crushing the conservatives and promoting progressives what if we were actually balanced so, and welcoming of of other people's so, so, right of stalin so you're not you you're not going to get that out of one of the um quote unquote moderate uh liberals um and so simon birmingham is on television oh. the other night saying um oh the reason all of our candidates were affected down there was Catherine Davies, we should Deves, and we shouldn't have uh, had her because the stuff that she said uh, on a Twitter profile uh, ages ago was causing offence, and that hurt other people. Uh, nonsense, absolute nonsense. But they're they're going to spin their own narrative for their own cause. You're not mm. going to get a a a left wing liberal that's going to suddenly turn around and say um, we need to be more right wing, but. Um, there are people in the Nationals, so notably Matt Canavan and Barnaby Joyce, who have come out and acknowledged the fact that um, there, you know, there's been a, a big problem in the in the policies that uh, that they that they as a government adopted, and that if you become closer to uh, your political opponents, then people are just going to go to your political opponents. So that's been acknowledged um, by them. And I think it would probably be something that the new Liberal leader, which will no doubt be Peter Dutton, who will no doubt be Peter Dutton, will acknowledge as well. And given that there's been a clean out of a lot of those um, so-called moderate Liberals, we might see a change. But, but my problem is, is this. It's easy to say stuff in opposition. You know, when you get into government, that's where the rubber hits the road. Yep. And are you going to do the stuff you say in opposition when you're in government. My view on it all is that no matter what's said over the next three years, I will believe it when I see it. I've seen what's the ratio times... in the party room, George, do you think, between, oh. if you had to split the party and say, okay, well, you're going into a, a new conservative yeah. party and you're going into a new uh, oh. moderate, slightly centrist, lefty party, what would be the split? Yeah, you're asking a very, very hard question there. Yeah, um, okay. I, I, would, I would probably think 
Oh, I was going to say. Are you talking parliamentary or members? No, parliamentary. 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 Yeah. So two thirds of them probably go into the conservative camp, a third into the okay moderate. So it's camp still majority net now. Now, but previously it would have been Pre different. previously it would have been uh, not fifty fifty, but it probably would have been uh, 55, 45, 60, 40 um, to the conservative. And then a bunch in the middle are happy to happy to. No, just... no, I'm saying it would be overwhelmingly now conservatives. Oh, I, I good. believe right, that's right. because of the loss of. Because um, lost a lot of lot of the, the green liberals. Green liberals. Yeah. yeah. Could you not say that classical liberalism is basically dead in Australia? I mean, the last I've, I've been observing that for a long time now. That uh, the I mean, classical liberalism, that Lockean perspective on limited government, uh, which which really flourished at the, at the end of the British Empire, and we've kind of been living on the coattails and the end of that um, the end of that steam, it's really been decaying. And the last couple of years kind of sealed that with a bang, didn't it? I mean, people chose socialism as soon as they got afraid. Yeah, it's not dead, but we've got a lot of work to do. Um, and I think that that sort of, no matter what happens with the way the parties align, it's the old politics is downstream of culture thing. We've got to look at, you know, if, mm. as people on the right of politics, whether socially conservative or not, if you sit on the right wing on the free market side of politics, you've got to ask yourself, how on earth do we turn this culture around? That's what I wanted to ask. Yeah. Do people now have to experience yes. the, a taste of it? The taste of their socialism mm. yes. and mm. its full extreme before they will crave the liberty again. Is that what we're heading towards? I think so. I can tell you about Argentina, and I don't know whether I'm going to get this 100% right, but the lessons of Argentina um, are one that we are repeating and are going to continue to repeat in Australia as they did in Argentina <coughs> and are still doing. So Argentina was a country that uh, way back was, um, you know, equal to status in Australia in terms of its prosperity and, and just about all the economic indicators and social indicators, but obviously a very big cultural difference uh, given it's in Latin America and we're a sort of British um, British style Western democracy. Um, so they went through a rough period in terms of their politics, uh, but when they sort of returned to democracy, um, uh, they they then went to a period of socialism, uh, and you know prices started to rise. Okay, so you think okay the people are going to get angry now, but the government went in and said no, we're going to do price controls. Mm. Yep. Okay. So then 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 the producers said, well, we're going to sell our product overseas because we're not taking a, a a cut in our pay, and then they set export controls in and. The vast bulk of the Argentine populace did not care about that because they're not producers, they're consumers, and that's good for them. So the government's halting uh, price rises uh, artificially uh, through 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 legislation, but it's still it's not artificial for the person in the street. They're getting the price of a certain thing. They're stopping exports. So then the farmers went on strike, and guess what they did? They sent in the military. <clears throat> to actually run the farms. They said, you keep the strike up, we're just going to nationalise the farms, take them off you. Wow. You think the people would rise up at that point. All along, at every single point here, they kept on re-electing and re-electing yeah. and re-electing the socialists. It just slipped further and further into the mire until the point where it had become obvious that there was ingrained corruption in the government, along with all those bad policies. Um, there was a special prosecutor that was, I'm getting off, off track here, but this is an interesting point, special prosecutor that was going to file a charge against the president and he suicided uh, the <laughs> night before he filed it. Now, 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 now no one believed that he suicided. 
No one at all believed Hillary in suicide. Believed it. Uh, it was a Jeffrey Epstein suicide, right? So, 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 so um, then, then the socialists lost the election. And you think, okay, so you're out of socialism. You're going to turn your country around. The guy who tried to reform things did the Campbell Newman job, went fast and hard, and um, ticked off every single Argentinian. And guess what? They're back now to socialism. Yeah, yeah. The person who was the uh, the corrupt one that was going to get the charges filed against her is now the vice president of the country. So um, how bad does a lesson have to be? Really bad. Really bad. Well, really, yeah. really bad. Well, look at the Philippines election. I mean, you know, you've got Marcos uh, talking about rewriting history just by repeating a message or any any sort of change of mind by just repetition of a message, even if it's not true. Um, there's been a campaign run for years now, probably about 10 years, by the Marcos family to rewrite the history of the Philippines, um, pretty much to, to get, and, and they've used very sophisticated techniques. Um, the Filipinos are the highest users of SMS in the world, um, and because mm -hmm. of the poverty, most people um, still use SMS. They don't necessarily have smartphones. Um, so there's a lot of people in the provinces on SMS. Uh, and uh, they ran a massive campaign for the last 10 years, basically rewriting the history of the Marcos family, saying that the country prospered in the Marcos era, um, which it sort of did, but not for many people. Um, and and just, you know, painting Ferdinand Marcos as a hero. And, and now you have a situation where most people outside of Manila believe that. Right, um, and and that was enough to to get Bong Bong Marcos in again. So, um, yeah, it's pretty. I mean, democ this is democracy not performing at its best. It's sort of you know what Socrates warned us of, I guess. But here we well, are. Aristotle said too much democracy ruins it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got to ask yourself: Should we have? Comp this is probably something we could discuss for a minute, Dave. I mean, should we have compulsory voting? No. And then should we have uh, preferential? What kind of preferential model should we have? Well. Um, so, 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 would there be? Is there anybody on the desk who thinks voting should be compulsory? No, no. Okay, well, let's well, well after Saturday, <laughs> I mean, after Saturday, Dave, I've got to admit, I and and seeing some people there who were telling me, look, I'm only here to get my name ticked off. I haven't yep. thought about. It. I don't want to be here. And and they're kind of entrusting themselves to a bloke on the with the how to vote card to give them a bit of an instruction. And and they don't know me. They don't trust me. But again, it just reiterated what I said on the panel the other night that the our education system has failed us here. I've been a teacher in the department for 23 years, and I don't remember ever doing some really in-depth uh, voting, uh, electoral, you know, lessons to, to to train young people how to participate in the political system. Yeah. So on that basis, yeah, you do have. They some of them said to me, "I'm just going and just number one to whatever, or I'm going to write this on, I'm going to write that on it." And it, it's concerning because we want people in their voting who have thought through the issues, Matt, looked at the people involved, and are making an informed choice. Matt, you got something to add to that? Yeah, I was just saying, I, what I first learnt about our political system was when I was studying in my first year of journalism at UK, I didn't actually finish that degree, yeah. but I, when I started to study journalism, that's what I, uh, that's where I learnt about how a political yeah. system works. It was one of the, I think it was one of the 101 subjects yeah, at UK right. at the time, and I'm yeah. like, okay, this will be interesting, and I learned about the representative the system, the difference between our constitutional monarchy and the American Republican sure. system and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Most people have no idea. And I look, I would even go further. I think it should be compulsory that you have to pass a test to vote. Mm. You have <laughs> to pass a test to drive a car. Why should you not have to pass a test to do one of the most important things, which is going to affect everybody's life? I don't hate that as long as it's not an IQ test, but rather an appreciation of the system. You, you have to demonstrate you know how to drive the vehicle 
that you're about to be given a license to. That so, makes sense. Yeah, and especially if people have come from other societies, and a lot of immigrants today come from socialist countries. Mm. I mean, they just come from places where the government does everything for you, and the only way to advance in life is to get a government job and then give that job to your family. But so, we would be called <laughs> racist if we can, tried to implement that. Can I say two but things about that? For immigrants. I just uh, mean for everybody. I'm going to put, push yeah. back against that because most of the people who have come from socialist countries to Australia abhor socialism and that's the reason Some why they've do, come yes. here yes um, most of my volunteers who not, were from not all uh, eastern european countries were there because they they knew they could see they could recognize yes they could see the signs this is they're some of the most informed voters if you yeah. think we're crazy saying that we are trending in the direction of socialism then i can show you a a woman who's a refugee to this country from the former czech republic who lived through who lived through the rise of socialism who lived through people being put up against the wall and shot who became a political refugee from her own country, um, and she says, I see the signs. Yeah. It is happening oh, yeah. here. It is happening here. And it's an interesting thing when I talk to her, and, you know, I don't understand the uh, the, 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 the the Czech Republic history and uh, how it all happened. So I said to her, how did the communists take power? Because I knew how they did it in the Russian Revolution. She said, we voted them in. We voted them in because they promised us a lot of stuff. Mm. They promised a, that they would fix the problems. Let me ask a question then. So I agree with you. There are people who come from those countries who are completely against their systems. Don't disagree with that at all. I can think of one of my best friends. I can think of people that I know who actually lived them in, under the Red. One of them was in the Red Army in co communist Russia who's completely against communism. So there are examples. But let me ask this question. Is there a correlation between our trending towards the Greens in this election and the mass immigration we got from the, the socialist states down south. Do you think there's a correlation? Oh, yeah, from uh, from Victoria. Yeah, of course there is. I mean... So this is the question <laughs> I want to ask. Does everybody learn the lesson that it's their voting habits which create those kind of societies? I don't think so. So some yeah. kind of voting literacy <laughs> test would be it's useful. the same thing over in the US. They're talking about this phenomenon, people from California exactly. it, moving to Florida, and they're saying that they're going to vote. Democrat and uh, Texas turn, too. Austin, Austin is yeah. even more Democrat than it was, and and Houston and Dallas are now going more Democrat. We're becoming slightly more Democrat. Uh, Eventually, yeah. people will be moving out of there to whoever's what's next. Yeah, we'll just come. We've destroyed that one. We'll just come down here and destroy <laughs> and that's, yours. That's what's happening to our state right now. So close the borders. <laughs> Sam Bow makes a, a great comment. G'day, Sam. Uh, if it is compulsory, it should be compulsorily taught at school. The amount of intelligent friends. Uh, I have who voted like they did 10 years ago. No idea at all. Well, this is the problem. Schools need to stop with all of the woke crap that is pushed in there. <laughs> Tell me all that. of the Greens politics, all of the gender politics, all of that absolute arrant nonsense that's being taught to kids in our mm. schools today and get back to civics. Are you saying we shouldn't have welcomed the country instead of civics? But I don't need to be welcomed <laughs> to my own country, quite frankly, and, and neither does any kid. <laughs> You know, I mean, what they need to do is stand on parade, uh, sing the national anthem, and, uh, and, and and look at the flag. That's, That's what, what should be out. being done. Absolutely. Well, well, and the, say the Lord's Prayer. That would be a good help too. Get the, God back into the school. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. You're going to be kicked out of the LNP for that. We're going to be kicked out of the LNP. We're out of the LNP. What are we talking about? <laughs> um, I wanted to ask, Matt, just a confession, Pastor. Um, I, uh, I've got to say, when I, when I went through university, before I, I learned about the political system, in state parliament. I was already oh, a wow. cadet, 18 year old cadet journalist at 4BC and I got sent down to state parliament. I had not a clue how it operated. Wow. I, I had done yeah. two years of my wow. journalism degree by that stage. Wow. Okay. Um, 
And I'd learned all about Marxism. I'll just yeah. point that out. That was 1980 something. Can you imagine what it's like now? Wow. <laughs> That's incredible. Wow. So, yeah, it's. Uh, so, there would be a lot of. Uh, in other words, there's a lot of journalists who are reporting on our system who don't understand it and are learning about it. I don't know. I mean, look, I was a kid and I was only in my first sort of few weeks of work, but okay. I had my. I went down with the state political rounds person and she explained how the parliament worked to me. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I never learned that at school. Um, such basic knowledge for a citizen in this country. You, you we're training so. citizens at school. But the other thing we've got to teach is economics. Of course. We've got to teach basic economics, yeah. supply and demand, trade, how all that works, what money is. Kids think money is something that comes out of a printer. I mean, this modern monetary, some adults think that too, by the way. Um, but we're in a world where everyone's just racking up debt yeah. Um, it has to be paid back in one way Kensianism or another. Re- Keynesianism reigns supreme. Well, Keynesianism yeah. on overdrive is modern monetary theory, MMT, which a lot of governments are talking about as if it's a viable, sensible approach. Seems as though the US is going down that path. One yep. of the things I want the good source to do, and I want to start this year, but it's a maybe a decade project. Maybe, maybe it's an endless project. Um, and, and that is build a curriculum to educate Australians and not not a technical, um, I don't mean like a school teacher prepares a curriculum, I mean like PragerU prepares a curriculum, a just a, a very large library of instructional videos that are five to 15 minutes long, a little bit longer than PragerU stuff. But let's talk about um, how to budget, how to run a business, how to borrow money, how not to borrow money. Um, the foundations of Western civilization, economics, all of these topics, because education is utterly, utterly devoid of help for real world living. And that's why um, I heard somebody explain to me today, um, we have rational voters who are low information. They're rational, but low information. And they don't have any motivation to become high information voters. This is, this is the problem that I certainly want the good source to be part of the solution to. And, and you know, gentlemen, like you're, it's definitely not a one man project. It's a, how do we all get our brains together, a lot of independent voices and educate our children, our teens, our adults, and even our seniors on how the real political system works. Because there are so many whack-a-mole crazy theories popping up that are incoherent and unevidenced, but they seem plausible, and so they just they run a thousand miles before you can before you can shut them da- down. Dave, I got to say this: that in the classroom, when I was in the schools, it's not for lack of desire. Uh, there'd be many times when I'd I'd have a class, and the, there was no work prepared by the other teachers. So we'd talk about the history of gold, for example, or you know what you said before, Damien. What is money? And look at some basic economics, Brilliant. or look at the voting system. There's so many things that kids naturally, young people naturally want to learn about, but they're not getting. And then you've got these other, as you mentioned, whack-a-mole theories that they're being force-fed and turning them off education. Yeah. I mean, this idea that, that self-empowerment is to, you know, ch- you know, be confused about one's gender rather than being showed how, how to be self-empowered through the political process. Yeah. You know, so there, there's a there's a big need for what you're saying. And it's, 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 but it's, it's sad that the system itself uh, you know, goes a certain direction with this. You know, the, the, you can teach socialism in one lesson. Just tell the class that no matter how they do in a particular assignment, everyone <laughs> yeah, gets well, a B. Yeah, and see how the how much effort the A students then put in. Yeah, uh, and and see what the overall class grade is. Mm. You know, does the overall class go up or does the overall class go down when everyone knows that they're just going to get a B whether they put the. I want to read this comment. Um, this 
is yeah. just I noticed this, Sharon. I'm right here with you. She Sharon Randall Smith says, Did you notice Scomo acknowledge the first tribes lands in his concession speech on Saturday night? <laughs> like I'm like, yeah. I mean, this guy is wearing his religion on his sleeve right before he says anything important. He needs to uh, pray to the ancient ancestors. It's it was appalling yeah. wokeism, tokenism, um, and it right there in that first five seconds, I felt like saying, "Scomo, that's why you lost." I don't know Anthony Albanese, so George might have a different view. But from what I see as an outside observer, he looks like a true believer. He looks like someone who at least is yeah, an authentic right. human being, rather than the hmm. plastic dummy we've had for the last few months. So in that sense. I don't mind the fact that we've got that kind of leader. He definitely believes um, in what he says, but he'll he'll be he'll be curated. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm he's, sure. he's from um, what electricity is his lecture again? Grand Electric, and, and that's sort of like Western Sydney. It's yeah, it's one of the lowest. Uh, actually, I don't know. Is it, is it Western Sydney? Anyway, it's um, Auburn. Uh, um, I'm trying to think of other other places within Grain Levitt. Auburn's one of them. Uh, very very left wing. Uh, uh, you know, uh, what 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 uh, what towns are coming up here? Um, anyway, yeah, yes. What was why the question? Just wanting to know whether it's Western Sydney or not. Well, I was just like, is there a good chance that there's a big workers' voice yeah. in his policies? Because one of the one of the things we do need, and uh, we're going to be talking about this a little bit later, but is there a chance that when he says they want to bring back manufacturing, is that something that they will actually have pressure on him from his electorate to do from the Labor Party? Is that something you think could actually happen? Labor won't bring back manufacturing. I mean, they'll throw some money around and pretend that they are. Um, but, you know, the only way you're going to bring back power. manufacturing is, well, you know... It's the lower wages right. to bring back manufacturing. Um, that ain't going to happen at yeah, all. Yeah, so. Well, uh, I don't want lower wages either, to be quite no. honest. And we can have that debate between the libertarians <laughs> and the <laughs> economic libertarians here. But uh, uh, and Australians don't want lower wages either. No. Um, but we need cheap energy. If you're, gonna, if you're not going to have low wages, you need cheap energy. And we're not going to have that under Labor, particularly when the Greens are uh, pulling the strings, as they will be in the Senate. We're going to use so coal to make environmental technology like solar panels made out of silicon and, and, and have it imported for, forged coal brought There'll together no, in a nice big burning machine. <laughs> there'll be no manufacturing researchers. And look, look, I, I could say criticize even the LNP on it. I mean, some of us were serious about it. Um, I helped with Matt Cannon pull together a paper uh, on uh, on manufacturing and how we could uh, uh, reboot manufacturing in Australia. Um, then a lot of money was thrown about, but it's just money for businesses to go out and buy new bits of equipment. That's not a manufacturing policy, and I suspect that that's going to be the manufacturing policy under both Labor and Liberal. Um, and here's the key thing, that uh, 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 countries that that have their manufacturing uh, sector disappear, which ours has been rapidly, um, you know, there, there ends up being huge economic problems because... Absolutely. You must accept that there is a segment of the population that just works with their hands. And there's nothing wrong with working with your hands, right? Mm. Um, we can't all be university tenured academics. Uh, we can't all be lawyers. Um, we can't all be baristas even, you know, on the, on the, on the other end of the scale. There are people out there who, who work with their hands. It's, an, it's almost an art for them. And if you take away that, um, that bit of employment... 
what are you left with? You're left with a gaping hole. And quite frankly, I think this is where the globalists and the leftists want to stand up is uh, we deindustrialize because uh, it's good for the environment. It's also good for their <laughs> politics because if you have a swathe of people that are out of work, and I say the globalists as well, it's not just um, it's not just the political partisans. It's those big, big companies who stand to make a lot if they can sack a whole heap of workers and put robots in charge. And I disagree with that as well. You might call me a Luddite on that, but just because you can do it, you shouldn't do it, right? You shouldn't always do it. Um, what will happen then is a push for a universal basic income. And that, my friends, is the end result that is communism. It's called uh, job keeping. Well, well, we, we had a taste of it. We had a taste. We, so we had a taste of universal basic income where everyone was getting 750 bucks to go and, and sit on the, on the couch and watch Netflix. Well, um, I can tell you that there were many businesses that were struggling to find employees. So it won't affect the big businesses that can uh, afford all the capital to go and put in, you know, a whole suite of new robots. Um, but it will affect the little businesses that don't have that, and therefore they shut down because they don't have workers. This is where um, uh, globalism and corporatism meet socialism, and that is the new world that we are entering. And, and to a degree, it, it's, it's definitely an agenda and a goal, and it's the way they're pushing it, but to a degree it's failing. I mean, at the moment, they can't even get enough um, processors to create PlayStations. And, and, and fully completed cars. I was just reading the other day that Ford America had like 53,000 cars just sitting in their lot outside, not completed because they don't have the ability to put processors. So I think, I actually think that is their agenda and that's where they've been pushing it. But I think we see interesting signs that that agenda is failing just through simple lack of supply um, because of the breaking supply chain right now. And look, at the end of the day, if you're going to base your entire economy off a techno advanced society, right? 80% of processes are made in Taiwan. Mm. Now, who's easy, who could easily take control of that if they wanted to? Do we really want to be dependent on that? Finland. Okay. Yeah, Finland. <laughs> but this is why, again, the, the globalists and the, the uber elite really, they, they, I, I saw it. I saw it as I sort of was one of those people that was leading the call for we need to disentangle ourselves economically from communist China the pushback that came from from the big business sector. Oh, don't say that, you know, uh, we can't have that. It's uh, too much money. You know, and that's the case in most of the Western world. The, the upper elite do not want to disentangle from China. They don't want to tick off China. They, they don't care about anything that China does. If China's got foreign interference in this country, well, that's great as long as they bring along a whole heap of dosh. That's what they think. Um, so uh, I don't share your optimism. I think that the people who pull the strings will uh, not care about that fact. I actually think global. There, there are some positive things about the globalization era that we need to hang on to. One of them is that international trade and the dependency of nations on one another to a certain extent that's caused is that us to have a degree of versus globalism. Well, it's, it's I don't know, but it, what do you call it? But it, it, you know, it caused a degree of peace that we haven't seen for a long time, and I think that's a plus. However, we need to be selective as, as to who we're trading with. And, and not become I, entirely dependent on totally, them strategically. Not, not entirely dependent on the communists. We need to bias mm. towards like-minded states and like-minded people. Is internationalism that kind of concept, Matt? I guess so. I'm just thinking, I don't actually think our international trade caused that peace. I think the devastation of World War II and the, and, and the creation of nuclear weapons um, 
put such a break on war for so long that international trade was able to flourish in that environment. Oh, I think okay. it was more of a correlation than a, yeah, it was, yeah, interesting. I do. And we see, we saw the same sort of thing with the spread of the British Empire in the 19th century and, and the flourishing of trade that came before that. And a lot of people said before World War One, well, we're so interconnected economically, we're not going to go to war with each other. And we all know what happened. Um, I, I think if, if, if you don't make what you need to run your civilization in your own country, you're inherently prone to international interference of any kind, and eventually it will happen. Uh, America's not going to be the dominant power forever, and the, the rising dominant power could shut us off very easily, and they literally make most of what we need to run our society. So we have the resources here, we have the skill set, we have the people. You can take advantage of it while it's there, but you need to be prepared for when it's not. Mm. So to segue to something completely different, here's a new one. I've just been looking to see what the latest news is. Uh, Michael McCormick, this is a report from The Guardian. Michael McCormick's got a different take on the election results. Oh, Michael McCormick suggests Barnaby Joyce's unpopularity in inner city contributed to coalition's loss. I'm not going to comment. Why not? Well, I want you to comment. <laughs> the Guardian has an ideology and it writes the news to fit that ideology. I mean, that's basically The Guardian in a nutshell. Um, and I know there are news outlets on the right that do the same thing, but um, that is, you know, that's typical of the Guardian. Typical, it's the same line that the ABC were pushing this morning, that, you know, it was Barnaby Joyce's fault. Uh, even Koshy on Channel 7 really? was saying that this morning to Barnaby, and Barnaby responded and said, uh, you know, you've got to be kidding, we picked up a seat. Yeah. And, and this is the best election we've had, better than the last one for us. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a clear sign there that, you know, look. If Barnaby was, <laughs> Barnaby was the problem, Barnaby would have lost his seat. And, and the Nationals would have lost seats. Look, the problem the brand would have lost seats. So, and this is exactly right. I mean, this is so cognitive dissonance. It, it, it just beggars belief that these people can breathe without thinking about it. Um, it's just... Well, they, it, fill, they fill their cognitive dissonance with a narrative that's false, and then they're satisfied with that. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but it's a false narrative. And, yeah. Yeah, sorry. I'm disagreeing. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the other thing I was going to say was, look, we, I, I, you know, on Saturday night said this i put the blame for the uh the failure of free market parties and and the failure of conservative parties squarely at the feet of business i mean i think business in australia has been having a bob each way for too long they they you know the corporates donate equally to both parties so it's not to annoy anybody but they can say that they donate yes we donate to you and yes we donate to you that's got to stop you know, there has to be a very clear understanding that one side of politics supports capitalism and the other doesn't. Mm -hmm. And capital needs to flow to the side that supports capitalism. Otherwise, capitalism will crumble. And that's what we're seeing. Yeah, um, can I push back? Sorry. There again? Yeah, go, go ahead, George. I like Australia's gone woke, mate. You think that they're Totally. Still, no, that's what I mean. But, but, but it's, it's worse than what you're saying. It's not just, oh, we'll donate a bit to this side and we'll donate a bit to this side you know, to make sure that we're sweet with both sides. Um, the long march through the institutions, the cultural Marxists at least, yes. have captured the boardrooms and the upper management of most big companies. Yeah. Oh, look, I've, um, I've written about so, this so, on LinkedIn. So, and so you, you're going to see, you're absolutely going to see corporations eventually stop donating to one side of politics. It won't be the side that you're thinking of. They'll yeah. probably be donating to the Greens in about five years. You know, I was um, trained how to do that. Trained how to do what? Uh, many years ago, I, I won't say which one, but I, I was trained by a, um, a, a uh, what, do you, what do you call Asset it? Management. An, 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 an NGO. 
Okay. Uh, no government organization, an aid organization. To how do you how do you influence them towards particular policies? And they, they actually, it was a training we did in a particular context. It was in a religious context, and it was for religious purposes. But it was basically a leftist agenda with a religious um, religious spin. And they talk about how it's very simple to do. You just you get some people in there who buy some shares, and then you get some voices in the share in, in you know in uh, the meetings. The shareholders meetings. The shareholders meetings. I'm a business person myself, but it was actually fascinating to see the study. And that's actually been put into practice. They do that. Then once they get in there, they can have a voice. And once they have a voice, they can grow that voice and then they can put influence. And the other side, it, it happens, and this wasn't part of what we talked about, but was um, capturing HR. And when you can capture HR and take control of like gender policies and mm -hmm. stuff like that, then you can start getting control of hiring and firing. <clears throat> And those, so uh, what we were taught by this aid organization is this is how you influence a major corporation. And that's what the left have been doing for a long time. And they've even been doing it through Christian organizations, which the, the church is not supposed to be leftist. The church is supposed, not supposed to be leftist at all, but they've been able to do that successfully. And it's totally. actually quite devastating to see the impact of it. Yep. So in other words, there are corporations now that are run by people who have no capitalist they're not Tendency at all. Money. No. And that, well, we know that from Silicon <laughs> Valley, but I think what we've seen is the ESG phenomenon. That's right. Um, and the ESG phenomenon is quite astounding because basically what happens is the investees, so uh, mm -hmm. uh, basically say, well, we're not going to invest in your company. What's you the know? ESG? So environment, social, social and governance. Um, it's the it's a derivative of, I think, the United Nations sustainability of its rules. So uh, you I get measured. Yeah, so you're getting a measurement against of those. So, so what the investors go in and say, well, okay, we're not going to invest in your company unless you have a high ESG score, right? And then on the back end, they go in and say, uh, we'll help. Well, they do what you say. They go in and they do a bit of governance and um, they try to say to the board, you know, through by being shareholders, uh, you need to move in this direction. As you move in this direction, then they go in the back door and say, by the way, we happen to have some products for you. We've got some investment products that will measure that for you. Uh, if you just invest in these, you know you're investing in high ESG scoring companies. So they play both ends of it and make money out of it that way. Yeah. Um, and that's that's dominant across the US corporate and Western and world corporate environment, and especially in Australia. And that's why we're seeing the woke corporation emerging. What is happening though, one of the largest asset management firms in the world that does this is a company called BlackRock. And they're going back the other way now um, for the first time in years, uh, the CEO of BlackRock, Larry Fink, put out his annual letter to CEOs this year in January saying, actually, no, we're not going to be fully divesting from oil and gas and coal, as we said we were going to. Wow. Um, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. The, the good reason for that is because China is starting to overtake in a lot of economic areas, and these companies have to start playing the game properly, otherwise they're mm. going to lose. But BlackRock and certainly Vanguard and all the others, whether it's State Street or Berkshire Hathaway, they're still very much playing this ESG game, and they might be pulling away from it because of current geopolitical issues. Um, and it's interesting that they've made that move prior to the invasion of Ukraine where there's an energy crisis. So uh, I hope there's an energy crisis. It's not a sign of change. Uh, <laughs> well, I, 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 uh, well, it happened before then, I would have thought, that that letter would have come out before the invasion. So I'm not suggesting that BlackRock knew in advance of anything that was going to happen, but uh, <laughs> that would mean I'd have to strap a tinfoil hat on. But that, look, the, the, the fact is <laughs> that, that, that they're if still that going down the ESG route and you think well what is this going to do with us what is this going to do with it? it has everything to do with us 
right now you can you can go and opt to buy a credit or get a credit card that has got a daily climate spend on it and once you reach over that spend you are no longer allowed to buy any more it might uh, you could you could um, program this to have a whole heap of things in it uh, uh, the distance that you travel to limit that uh, you know cut off your spending and all, all the rest of this sort of stuff now if this is available right now and you take this ESG to its nth degree, uh, you could have banks that say, you know what, you want to bank with us, um, you have to have this card. Mm. I actually don't think that that is a strap on your tinfoil hat statement. It's, it's, it can that, be that, that could be social credit score, the yeah. reality. The, the digital the, identity. Is well, I think that that's all going to be uh, linked up together, all yeah. of this, and that's why that needs to be opposed. But uh, the, the coming concept of a programmable uh currency that where where we limit your spend based on what we think is the ethical standards of the day that is a coming folks mm. they're already talking about it in the united <clears throat> kingdom it exists in china yeah. now they already have that they get judged on what they put in there in some uh, provinces, yeah. in their uh, trolleys and something yeah it's, it's, in, on the, it's in the testing stages but you buy too much alcohol you get marked down you buy too much junk food you get marked down lovely and, and, and this lot that's in parliament now Labor, Greens and the Teals, they will applaud the introduction of that. Yeah, yeah. If you're enjoying this show, I would greatly appreciate it if you would head over to goodsource.news, subscribe to the newsletter. We've got a whole bunch of back issue videos on all kinds of uh, timeless topics, past episodes, etc. The election coverage from Saturday night, I mean, there's five hours worth. Um, knock your socks off. It'll be uh, wonderful to rewatch. Um, there's lots of actually in insightful analysis in that show but uh big thank you to the good source supporters there was a, a little bit of uh fine product from scotland um consumed um but uh i guess yeah, we look forward to uh seeing you there join the newsletter and uh, make sure you subscribe there become a supporter it's all voluntary um there's no paywalls etc um but you really do need to invest in the new media if you have any problems with the mainstream media be supporting um somebody uh, and preferably more than one person for five, ten, twenty dollars a month uh, would be absolutely fantastic. One of the things I want to chat about is, I guess we know that the ABC's analysis of the election is completely biased, prejudiced, and dishonest. Uh, the Labor Party might be forming government now, but it's on the back of their lowest primary vote in over one hundred years. Mm. If they're not having, uh, if they're slapping themselves on the back right now, um, it's for good luck. It's not for good planning or good leadership or good thinking. Um, they need to be having a good, hard look in the mirror and saying, what have we done wrong? How have we got only three in 10 people in Australia thinking we're the best choice for government? Uh, the Liberal Party need to be doing exactly the same thing instead of lying to themselves that it's all the Conservatives' fault. Uh, it's it's their you know they need to be honest about itself but i think we need to be honest as well as freedom voters as libertarians and conservatives uh we got a lower vote than all of them we got you know maybe 10 to 20 percent um if we think that some conservatives might have voted for the lnp uh, but you know even freedom voters 10 to 13 percent maybe across the state and we haven't really won any seats have we won any seats at all? Uh, very, very the House few. of Reps, no. Not in the House of Reps. So we're going to get a, a couple of senators up, um, but you know, it, it's really, really 
important for us to be honest about it, about how we can improve. Look for, look for the opportunities, look for the threats. I think one of the threats we've got is the fact that we're not very honest with ourselves. We're very, I think, emotional and given to echo chambers and looking for all kinds of excuses like fraud and corruption that are convenient and easy, but really not holding together under scrutiny. Uh, there's thoughts, um, you know, a lot of people with low information uh, are thinking that the AEC rigged the election because they didn't um, count the votes the way Topher Fields' marble video said they should on Saturday night. That's just low information because that's not corruption. That's the way they do it uh, to get a quick answer. It's not 100% accurate, but it's highly predictive and it gives the consuming voters of the nation an answer on election night. The reality is they counted properly the way Topher's video uh, says today, yesterday, and tomorrow, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, they're counting properly and allocating preferences properly. It's just to give the TV consumers an answer on Saturday night that they do it a different way on Saturday. That's not corruption. That's not fraud. That's not rigging. Um, and it's not the reason that we haven't got any members in the lower house and, and a dominant result in the upper house. Uh, there's got to be something else that we have a look at. And we've got to be honest. I don't think we can continue to operate the way we have been. Now, I'm a minor party guy. I joined the LNP uh, in 2008, maybe 2009. Um, I was in the uh, in an essential part of the campaign team uh, for an LNP federal election uh, in for an LNP federal electorate in 2010, um, and we won a seat off the Labor Party. I'd been trained how they campaign, and that was fun. Uh, in 2012, I was the campaign director for a state seat in the LNP, and we won off Labor again. Um, and then I left the LNP. It was in back in 2012 that I had enough of the major parties, and I wanted to be more effective and influential. Ended up in a minor party, family first, battled with them. Then I became um, part of the people that said, hey, let's merge with Corey Bernardi. I got a vote in that decision. I said, let's do it. And, of course, the Australian Conservative uh, party under Cory Bernardi failed spectacularly uh, and election after election and Cory Bernardi saw the writing on the wall this isn't going to work stop it um, he got out of that and then in the last two years a whole bunch of people have suddenly discovered their interest in politics and joined the freedom parties joined the minor parties and I thought fantastic now we're going to maybe see a different result maybe now there's a whole bunch of people um enacted and engaged and, and interested. They've been poked and prodded because finally politics has come and bit them where they live instead of worrying about how it was affecting their neighbours and their nation for the past 10 years. It's finally affecting them in a way that's uncomfortable. Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people took to the streets and protested, um, and yet we still failed to achieve anything. I think part of that reason... Now, sure, preferences flow, and if we all preferenced tightly, it, it shouldn't theoretically make a difference, but I think it has made a difference, certainly to our election resources on election day, that there's four or five different freedom parties at every polling place. You've got them in white, you've got them in yellow, you've got them in orange, uh, and, and then you've got different independents as well, genuinely for the freedom movement. I, I think we've got to say that's not working. One of the solutions has got to be and it's been said by a lot of people a lot of times, I'm not the first person to think this, what if we all merged together and formed one party? 
it's a great idea and it'll never happen <laughs> because of all the egos that are involved. Yep. Because of all, all the, the names that are involved. Clive Palmer will never go for it. Pauline Hansen will never go for it. Unless, you know, of course, Clive will all will go for it if we all join his party. <laughs> um, and Pauline will go for it if we all join her party. Um, libertarians have been around for 20 years. Um, they're not going to give up easily. But you know what? The, I think the Libertarian um, are the best minor party out there right now. But they're the thinking person's party. And most voters are low information voters. And so they're not attracted by a thinking party. Um, so, you know what, I, I don't think there's any chance that the parties coalesce. The second option I see is that uh, we, the voters, we, the freedom voters, make this decision for them and we just pick a party without being biased or prejudiced or, or, or partisan to the party we want it to be. We actually just think about this together and we just go and support en masse. Now, imagine if everybody was wearing a yellow shirt and I'm not saying Palmer's the option, but um, what if everybody was wearing the same colour shirt on election day instead of dividing our resources? We would have had enough volunteers for all the polls instead of so many polls not being manned at all, so many polling places. Um, there's a third and fourth option. I personally think that second option is the best one, that, that we all just go and pick the most viable of the minor parties and make it a medium party like the Greens are. The third option, of course, is that we give up with this minor party experiment altogether and we go and join the Liberal Party and we infiltrate it and we flood it. Look, there's lots of reasons why that won't work, but we've got to put it on the table as one of those things we consider in an honest post-election analysis and self-reflection. The fourth thing is maybe that we all go and join the National Party, make sure the LNP liberally de-amalgamate, let the Liberal Party be the, the woke, progressive, moderate, whatever they want to congratulate themselves with a nice sounding label for being progressive left of Stalin position. Let them be that. And then let's make the Nationals once again that really conservative party that's um, just the best. One of the things we're going to have to do, whatever option we choose to stop splitting ourselves so much, if we all agree that that's a problem, is we're actually going to have to give some things up. We're not going to be able to get a party which 100% looks like what we want it to look like. We are going to have to just lay aside some egos and have a party that ticks most of the boxes we want instead of all of... The, we're going to have to probably let go of some deal breakers. And this is going to be really hard. Um, so I guess I just want to open it up to the panel and to the comments. Guys, thank you for your comments and, and joining the conversation. Do we amalgamate? Do we seriously try and form an amalgamated minor party? Or do we just forget about them not being able to do that and voluntarily, organically choose one? Um, I'll give you my opinion, I guess, after I give you guys a turn to talk on, on which party that might be. But let me hear your thoughts before I put it in there. Do we infiltrate the, LN, the Liberal Party and take it over? Or do we actually try and create that right-wing party? Um, that's right of the Liberal Party and genuinely conservative and let the moderates have their toy and, and their sandpit. Dylan, you got some thoughts? I have some thoughts. And before we get into that uh, political analysis, uh, which is very important, I just wanted to have a little bit of philosophising around what happened on Saturday. You talk about, you know, the polling lines and having sufficient volunteers, et cetera, et cetera. We know that that is a small percentage of votes we're going to capture even by doing that. 
Um, it's it's not the be all and end all just manning the booths. Something else happened on Saturday and in and around this freedom movement uh, that I saw, and I think it comes back to this thought that the relaxing of the mandates. I saw a, I saw a populace. This is what I was getting. I saw a populace that felt powerless. They felt like they had been subjected to a lot. A lot of what have we got? Ninety percent of people have taken these injections. Many of them were coerced. They didn't want them. They felt blackmailed, bribed into having medical treatment against their wishes. Now with the relaxing of the mandates for, for a lot of industries and, and a lot of venues and so on, it was like a relaxing of the chain, if you like. It, the, the pressure wasn't there anymore. And I, even as I spoke to them, Dave, it was like, well, we went through that, but it won't happen again. Yeah. If, you know, th 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 I'm not joking. This is the, the thought. You know, I was like, well, yeah. the government did what they had to do. Yeah. And, you know, and I kind of just dropped the, what about the monkey virus? Let's hope we don't go down the same monkey road. Pox. Monkey pox. go down the same road again with that. And you just see their eyes just kind of go, that couldn't be possible. But this is, <laughs> it, it's like what I saw was, uh, sadly, people, and this comes back to the power of the media, and we talk about that mass formation psychosis, the words we were not to say, but it's like people, yeah, kind of just went back into the zone. Well, that was a bad, that was a bad dream. But we're out the other side now. It's a few people there that you know haven't haven't got their jobs. But by and large, you know we're out of that. So I, 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 I sense that. I sense that. And and this is what it comes back to the other night as well, Dave. I spoke about the the failing of the church to speak out and to to be prophetic against what was injustice in our land and this this theft and plundering of bodily autonomy. Because if you don't have a righteous outrage, you haven't got the 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 momentum that will go to to. Uh, you know, support these parties that are fighting against it. So that lack of, you've got a church congregation, people who think that these people who are holding out are just ill-informed, they're foolish, they should have just gone along with it. What are they doing? Rather than support their right and their, their the, the value, the integrity around Christian conscience and, and, and be a prophetic voice to government to say you got this wrong. I think if we, if look, if I'll go, I'll go as far as to say this, if we had have had the same thoughts around, like I saw this homosexual marriage thing as a Trojan horse, all right? Mm -hmm. I always saw it as a Trojan horse. I spoke publicly about it. I pushed back on it. Again, churches were largely oh, silent. And we and you know what it was? It was like, well, at the end of the day, two people love... not so much. If two people love each other, that, that's where it'll end. It hasn't ended there. Look, look where we are now with this. Look where we are. And even the, the average bloke on the street's going, wait a minute, you're going to put a man in a woman's sporting event? How did we get here? Well, we got here because we didn't maintain righteous outrage against things that we should have as a church and pushed back and made it, made it a political issue and, and, and supported parties. Now, there's, even in Australia, there's still a, a, a large Christian base, you know, people who are in churches, but I see a failing. I see a failing uh, at our church leadership level, and, I, and I'm seeing it again around this bodily autonomy. If you talk about digital identity, you talk about these things. If we let if we let it come in here by having people, you know, being injected against their will, what does it open up for in the future? We let we didn't win that battle. We, in fact, we didn't even hardly fight it, and I think we lost a lot of uh, a lot of energy around it. So I see I see a powerless people going. Well, I went through that. The fire wasn't there. To, to get behind minor parties, whether or not there was somebody on the booth or not, if you had a, if they had had the fire in their bellies, they would have been voting for the, for the minor parties that were there. So you've got that. There is the element of voter education, what I call apathy and disdain. There are some people who simply don't have the arsenal, the, 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 the 
the tools in their kit bag to use the political process to push back. They felt like they'd been oppressed. They felt like they'd been trampled. They're going to go in and write some expletive on the on the ballot paper, and that's how they're going to respond. Mm. Unfortunately, they've got that aspect happening. Uh, then you, you know, then and then of course, like you mentioned, then some people will swing Dave to this idea of electoral integrity. Well, it's the the elections rig, and you know, I mean. It, the results are across the board in the nation. I, I look at it f at face value and I say, look, you know, I can see what's happened across the nation. I don't see anything, uh, uh, you know, even some of the things. It's just misinformation about how votes are counted, et cetera, so we can look into it, you know. But mm -hmm. the other part, of course, comes back to the divide and conquer, you know, and, and I don't know where that influence came within the freedom movement, but there was a bit of that. There was infighting amongst freedom parties. Mm. There were finger pointing. There were like, you know, public, you know, discounting of UAP around preferences and someone else would have no, a... There's a bit of attacking uh, other freedom parties. That's what I mean. Have a go at pulling hands. Just focus on the enemy. And, and mm. again, so there was that, 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 that element came into it. But I... I, I so I've got to be honest. I am surprised that we didn't we didn't see a, a larger uprising of the of the average person on the street saying we want change, and it's not change from LNP to AOP or to the Greens, but we need to get to the freedom mm -hmm. parties and people feeling the same way. So I'm starting to look at you know where where we went wrong there, who wasn't speaking, why we didn't have that fire and ability that we should have. Just some sorry, just interrupt. Just some breaking news um, at uh, at two fifty two p.m. Uh, Josh Friedberg has um, conceded defeat to Monique oh, wow, Ryan that's big. and Kuhl, yeah. um, and uh, Monique Ryan's going to make an announcement shortly, wow. accepting victory. Thanks, so, Damien. One of the one of the biggest uh, blue ribbon seats. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Peacock, Sir Robert Menzies, another moderate. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, yes. There you go. Sorry, mate. Oh, that's okay. I was just going to say, I don't think it's so much that the Freedom Party didn't have momentum, they didn't have the right, uh, the Freedom Parties, I should say, mm. didn't have the right momentum or the right voice or got the wrong message. That's not why they lost. Mm. The reason they lost, and some of us did see it coming, is because a couple of months ago, they basically got rid of most of the mandates. Not all, and there's still injustice happening, and it's still wrong, but so many people were able to go free. They, the Freedom Party, served, the voices served their purpose for a lot of people. And sure. Was, and, and it's only those who are really paying attention or those who are still affected that are really upset about it. But a lot of people just want to move on. And so they didn't mm. have to rig anything. All they had to do was basically take the pressure off yeah. and all that steam was released. And then people um, no longer needed them as much as they thought they did maybe back in January. I think that's what went on there. And I, I, I kind of, uh, I, I thought the swing to the left was coming because of that Victorian immigration. But to answer Dave's question, uh, I think... We can look for inspiration in two sources of how to move forward. And, and those are two sources that are going to horrify most people. So I will explain myself. And that is the Greens and feminists. And so the reason I bring this up. Let me let me um, endorse what you're about to say, um, because <laughs> you, you, in some you, hear him out for a second. Uh, we're looking for inspiration on ideas that will help us because we're failing because what we're doing clearly isn't working. Minor parties have been eking away on the right for decades. Guys, 20 years or more. We're insane if we think the current strategy is working or the past strategies are working. You know what has worked? The long march through the institutions. Marxism, cultural Marxism has achieved an overthrow of Western civilization, and they took 70 years to do it. So let's have a listen. I'm, I'm, I, I can predict what you're going to say, but I want you to say it and take your time to say it. 
and make sure that people are listening. All right. So uh, starting with the feminists, uh, a lot of people aren't aware of the, the actual history of the feminist movement in the 19th century, and they don't know it very well. But they don't know that feminist, the feminist movement was very strongly um, associated with the socialist movements. In fact, the a Swedish socialist newspaper and an American feminist newspaper had the exact same um, cover at one point because they were so interrelated. And, and because of the feminists were so involved in socialist movements and they wanted to see all these changes in all these different areas, they spread their electoral promises and their electoral campaigns over many different little areas of society in the United States. And they would only ever poll a few percent of the vote at election, year after, you know, election time after election time, whether state or federal. They, they didn't get a lot of traction in the, in the late 90s, but they had a massive social movement. Uh, and it was particularly backed up by the Methodist Church and the Baptist Church, who both failed on this point, who got behind the feminist movement. And they had a big social um, presence because of their issue of alcohol and the problems that alcohol was causing in the saloons and in American culture. And you would have heard of American prohibition. But they were never successful in getting their policies forward. And one of their policies was the vote for women. Another one of their policies was getting forward uh, banning Alcohol. And that's one of the reasons why the feminists wanted to vote, because they wanted to be able to vote so that they could shut the saloons and make their husbands come home. It's kind of funny when you think about it, actually. But they weren't successful. And then another organization came along in the early 20th century, in the early 1900s, called the Anti-Saloon League. And what they did is they consolidated all of this movement behind one policy. And they put that one policy forward, we're going to ban alcohol. Now, you would think that would be impossible, right? In Australia, in Australia <laughs> even in America, like alcohol is a big part of every culture, but they got it through because they single focused. They put this entire massive movement. They dropped, like you said before, they dropped all these other policies that they were fond of, and they focused on this one policy. They centered, they centered the message, and over the course of the next couple of decades, and partly because of what happened in World War One, they were able to get prohibition across the line. And and the Greens Party have done something very similar. They've chosen a a policy position which is very fringe and very minor, but also does affect us all in some way because we all live in the environment. And what they did is they've chosen a particular uh, single agenda as their main policy piece. That's when pe most people think of the Greens, they think of environmentalism. I know us on the right tend to think of socialism and other things, but most people think of the Greens as an environmental policy. And so what they've done is they've consistently focused on putting that front and center of their party and kept it consistent. And I would argue, and many people might not like hearing this, they are the most successful policy in, uh, sorry, successful party in this country. And the reason I say that is not because they win the most votes, it's because they've forced both major parties to change their entire approach on many issues to line up with them because they've kept their voice so consistent. And so where they might not win governments in their own right, they've forced the Labour Party far to the left, they've forced much of the Liberal Party far to the left just to try and cover those bases. And we saw in this election those, those seats which were flipped out with Greens voters. Mm. Um, Look, you, you are spot on, right? absolutely spot on with all of that. Um, 20 to 30% of voters in our inner cities across Australia now vote for Green or Teal parties. 20 to 30%. That is, that is not a minor party, that's a major party. Uh, and they've taken 20 years to get here. Uh, and they're here now. And we, we just are in a situation, and that will expand and grow, perhaps. We need, a, we need a force growing the other way, I think, in terms of like, if we were to revitalize the National Party as a, as a conservative party, you would have to look at attacking the outer rings of the cities. Um, there's a lot of votes, I think, for conservative thinkers in the, in the outer, uh, outer suburbs. Outer suburbs. 
the inner cities are lost to to this force, and it hasn't been accidental, as you said. It's, it's been, been coming slow a long time. Consistent. And I, I went out there. It's pointless going out there at the ballot trying to fight this thing, you know, without the support of a truckload of capital. I mean, they there is no question. Elizabeth Watson Brown on the Ryan campaign spent in excess of, I would say, two hundred thousand dollars. If you added, I mean, she she claims it was. I said to her at one of the debates, "You've got." A, she was criticising the 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 Liberal Party uh, for taking corporate donations. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. said, well, Elizabeth, you know, I'm looking, I know what things cost now and I'm looking at your advertising in the seat of Ryan uh, in our seat and this is a six-figure campaign you're running because I'm running a $50,000 campaign and I can't come anywhere near you. Um, and she's like, oh, no, no, it's not. It's almost, it's almost six figures. And I said, well, where are you getting your money from? And she said, oh, it's all grassroots donors because we, have, we don't accept donations over $1,000. Um, Someone gave a thousand dollars a lot of times, obviously. Yeah, so. about five hundred, I think. There was one particular donor. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're just—it's this, and this is what I can't stand. I think people will wake up eventually to the fakeness of it. Um, another thing I noticed on the campaign trail about the way that the Greens booth people were trained, um, there was a lot of—I uh, don't know if you know about NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, this mm. pseudo-psychology yeah. thing that uh, that a lot of corporate trainings based mm -hmm. on. Uh, but they were doing a whole lot of stuff that, to me, was very clearly NLP, uh, like going up to voters and, and just engaging with them as early as they possibly could and walking along with them rather than sort of letting them pass. So getting their whole mess and then doing the eye contact thing. And I saw Elizabeth herself do this a number of times where she would kind of creepily, you know, stare. Out. Yeah, it's freaky. Um, but it seems <laughs> to have an effect because she won. So. Um, yeah, it would creep me out if people were doing that to me. There's another conspiracy saying the Greens hypnotise people. The Greens are hypnotising people. Damien Cruz says the Greens are hypnotising people. Oh, God. Their singular right. focus, and, and they actually have other policies, and you know, we know a lot of their other policies, they've had agendas in other ways, and social policies and economic policies, but they are so good at getting this message out about the environment and, and building up support yeah. and putting people You're in right. schools and training teachers. And, and the feminists did this. They would, they would train um, people how to write curriculums on how to teach the evils of alcohol. Uh, it, it, the strategies were exactly, and it's not a coincidence the strategy is exactly the same because of those socialist influences. Mm. They understand how, as, my, as, sorry, as David said, to move things through the, the institutions, that Marxist yeah. movement through the institutions. And it's soul. But the church used to do this. Of course. And this is how yeah. the church yeah. conquered Rome. Mm. Not through swords, through training and teaching and educating and, and, and being consistent over time. And so I would argue, whichever party it is, maybe I actually like the National Party, at least the old National Party, it, it, whichever mm. party you were to get into, you would also need to make sure they have a consistent vision which people can easily capture. In fact, no one's actually against the environment. That's right. They? No. And so being, being pro-environment, the most pro-environment, environment party it's very easy to get people on board with that if even if they're not looking deeply into everything else that you're doing and so having some kind of consistent message like that i'm not really a political guy i'm more of a historian but i just seen those two similarities and i was just thinking about it as you were talking that fracturing on the uh, freedom party that's exactly what happened in the feminist movement in the 19th century until the the um the anti-saloon league came and took it over and made it a single issue situation we need an anti-saloon league <laughs> george, george your analysis on the four options that i gave and then do you think there might be a fifth option so i i i tend to agree with the um with the dr john 
Humphrey's uh, view of the world now that um, it's a bit of a meme. Uh, it's in a, a joke about um, an ongoing joke about changing a party from within. Uh, I wish that you could do it, but I just don't think that's possible anymore. The changes in these political parties come from the top down. So we will see more of a change that will happen quickly in the Liberal Party with Peter Dutton at its helm than we will from any effort from the grassroots to try and reform the party. So that's my two cents on that one. Can you talk me through options one, two and three again? Because we've gone around the world uh, since we talked about your options one, two and three. What quickly were they? So option one was we uh, merge, merge, amalgamate. So it'd be good. Uh, again, you're right. Personal United Australia well. Party, One Nation. They're the yes. they got the two biggest votes. Why don't we call them United Nation Party? Um, uh, well, United take, Freedom. It, 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 it would be good. A lot of things but, would be good, but is it going to happen? Probably not. Probably not. Um, then um, option two was, and and I'll say now. I think One Nation is the most viable long-term party. It's got uh, the most... Got the highest votes. The, the highest votes, the highest profile, the highest attention. You know, Lib Dems have certainly got a lot of people elected um, around Australia in different parliaments. They've been more successful than a lot of the other minor parties, and yet nobody's really heard of them. Um, the, the brand awareness is, is very low, and they're about to have to change names. So that's you know that that's another nail in in that option um but what if so option two was what if we all and given that number one is probably very unlikely if not impossible what if we all just said all right let's be prepared to give a little to work together and, and promote the unity and what if we all just at the next election even if we just called it a one election experiment three years from now we all help donate, volunteer, and support One Nation candidates as much as possible. And what if we just really focus on on that orange um, option? You know, Malcolm Roberts will be up for um, that, election that, again in three that's years. That's the option. That's the option. I'm not just saying that because I'm in One Nation. Uh, <laughs> you know, like if the UAP would have gotten more Disclaimer. votes, the Liberal Democrats would have gotten more votes. Um, mm. You know, let, let's let's do that because that's the the best option. I mean, they've got the highest vote. Um, you're right in a state like Queensland, even in New South Wales, even in South Australia, even in Tasmania. One Nation would probably be the Freedom Party that is most poised to claim a Senate spot. So let's get them over the line by uh, look. I think that the UAP will dissipate now. Uh, I really do. Think but don't they will. dissipate between every election, and yeah, then Clive finds another hundred million dollars to do nothing with? Um, so, so, but, but, but those UAP supporters have got to now realise that um, that experiment failed. And, and Big time. I mean, if a guy like me with a $50,000 budget can beat One Nation and the United Australia Party yeah. in Ryan yeah. uh, with Clive's money, you've got to be kidding me. Like yeah. that just that's ridiculous. So, 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 so you know get behind a but party here's that's the thing. Uh, able to get someone elected. And the next person elected is Malcolm Roberts. If you lose Malcolm Roberts, you have lost probably... Uh, you know, apart from Jared Rennick and, and, and Pauline Hanson herself, one of the biggest freedom fighters in the that's park. True. So yeah. um, that, that's why I think that that option is probably the most viable. But the one thing that needs to happen, you know, uh, the doomsday we were expecting is here. We don't give up the fight because the enemies have captured the Citadel. You maintain the rage, you regroup, mm -hmm. uh, you work out a strategy and you come back 
and you defeat the enemy. And that is what we're going to have to do. The enemies of freedom will need to be defeated. And um, uh, you know, that, that's my main thing, which goes a bit away of what you're saying. We need to not give up, not give up now. We need to focus, focus, focus. And Dave, you said something before about alternative media. If you're watching this and there's several hundred people watching, you do need the right information. You need to be focusing on this information, deploying that information, because in politics, it is an information war. And if I could do a shameless plug right now, uh, the shameless plug is this, that I have actually uh, just launched uh, last night. Um, the uh, daily edition uh, begins, actually, it begins the 6th of June, but I've launched uh, subscriptions to the daily edition of Nation First, where I also hope to join Dave and uh, Damien that does the other side and others that are in this sort of new media world, trying to get out right information to people to cut through all the rubbish, work out what's what and give it to you so you can deploy it. Politics is an information war. Uh, the mainstream media, the fake news media, what do you call it? The lying harlot media? The lying harlot. They, they, they do their job on people. Well, we've also got to do a job, and that job is getting the truth out and getting the pro-freedom message out. So I say to you, subscribe to uh, the good source or, or donate to the good source. Come on. Uh, come and listen to uh, uh, the other side when, you, when you're kicking that back. Uh, again. <laughs> that <laughs> was great. I used to listen to every week. <laughs> Here you're he doing is. It? He's you're doing gonna, it right now for free anymore. Okay. Uh, but we'll, we'll work something yeah, out. We are going to work something he's out. He's going to do right. the other we're side. Gonna we're going to hear that again. Great, great podcast, a great show. And and nationfirst.substack.com. Go on there, have a look at some of the writings. We've, we've got your website work on there. Can they get there from your you website? Go on to georgechristensen.com.au and you can sign up there as well. Uh, I, I think uh, we've all got to get some unity around that too. We've got to get some, I think that's a, a, a similar situation to the uh, um, to the minor party problem. Uh, a I, network. I, yeah, I think we've got to get, got to get working together. Uh, the other thing I think is, um, uh, we have to understand that in that new media sphere, uh, you know, we are not the dominant player. Your friendly Geordies is the dominant player, the left-owned new media sphere. Mm. Friendly Geordies has a million, you know, followers or something, and, and every video mm. he puts out gets half a million views. Uh, and it's slick production, and it's done he, very well. And we've got to take a leaf out of Pauline's book yeah, and yeah. use humour better. Absolutely. Um, one of the most weapon. powerful things in this in this election was that was was Pauline's. Uh, uh, program, um, but look, George is, is can, can right. I, can I have my two cents on the? But George is right. We have to put our, our hand in our pockets. Yeah, and but, well, well so business does. I'm still annoyed with business. Um, but anyway, look, let's. But the, let's subscri just... the subscribers have to say if we want more from Damien Curry, we've got to put our hand in our pockets yeah, and give him ten bucks a month. Yeah, that's right. And it's it's going to have to be a grassroots, ground up yeah. sort of thing. Five hundred people um, say that to you. You're going to make a podcast and and do the research. I and will educate yeah. people every yeah. week. Yeah, and I'll have the time to do it too because I won't have to work. <laughs> but look, it's. I mean, I think just coming back to your question, your initial question. Um, yeah, very Dave, important question. Just very quickly. Uh, I'm one for different brands. I think having a few different products in the market is a good thing to well, capture larger... we won't larger, be able to stop that. To, to capture larger market share. That, that'll happen naturally. Organic, we won't be able yeah, to. Yeah, And that'll actually be useful because yeah. they will be right of whatever we create, which will be, we'll be like, oh, we're not that crazy. Yeah. Come here. There is a point, though, in, in the marketing world where if you do fragment too much, um, you will wind up 
um, losing market share to the other dominant player. Yep. So I do think, you know, it's a balancing act. We've got to find that equilibrium between, you know, because effectively what the parties represent is different factions. What annoys me are the people who say things like, oh, George, you've damaged the Liberal Party. It's like, or Damien, what did, why, did, why are you running against Julian and, and you're going to ruin and split our vote? Well, I, I had little effect on that, I'm afraid. Julian lost really. all by himself. Well, that's right. Um, <laughs> there are people who have different ideas and we have to define and explain our ideas properly uh, under our own brand and then let people decide. And for goodness sakes, we have a preferential voting system, which means we don't need to be one party. Mm. We, can, we can just, you can make us one party by putting... Putting all the freedom-friendly minor parties one, two, three, four, and that's the so, problem of the low-information voter. Yes, um, uh, and I'm not. Look, I mean, I don't mean to be too hard on on people who say that, but it does upset me when people criticise people who've left the LNP because most people who've left the LNP have already gone through the agony of trying to change from within. That's right, um, and it just isn't doesn't, doesn't work. Happen. So but it's not a short game. Uh, no, it's not a short game. It's a that's a generational strategy. Yeah, that's true too. Damien, when you talk about preferential, I know the how to vote cards and, and nobody chooses the preferences except the individual themselves. Parties don't, but they do a how to vote card. Was was that a problem in this last election with minor parties seemingly not preferencing each other? Uh, we all did pretty much. It yeah. happened in my electorate. I know that Liberal, Liberal Democrats had our relationship and agreement with UAP. We had One Nation in most places third, I think. Because it seemed like um, whenever it did happen, it made big news in the in the freedom community. You know, oh, this yeah. this party's not doing it, and it's that divide. And I haven't seen any divide. examples. I know. Look, mm. I mean, I did a split ticket. Yep. Uh, where I put, um, uh, you know, I gave people the option of, you know, do you want to put Peter Cossar before Julian Simmons or Julian Simmons before Peter Cossar? But that was like the Labor guy was Peter Cossar. Yeah. That was like you know position six and seven. Yeah. That you know, the, uh, and then I had another lefty party, and then the Greens last, mm. but. Um, it, it was, uh, you know, it was something that Julian got very, very upset with me about mm. as if I, um, as it turned out, he lost all by himself, bless him. But, you know, I, I, it, it was, it was, and it was something that probably some liberal former LNP people that I'd worked with on the state election were a little bit annoyed about, but, um, I, I need to, I wanted to capture the disenfranchised labor voters as well. Sure. Um, and also, you know, uh. For me, it was all about the freedom-friendly minor parties, and 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 that there was never a question in my mind that yeah. UAP and One Nation, you know, and and Axel uh, from the Australian Federation Party were going to go one, two, three, four for me. So, I, I think One Nation is the best option. I like the Nationals as well, but One Nation, I, the, I mean, it gets a lot of the vote. Uh, it's got a good personality at the top that a lot of people can get behind. But just the name One Nation, that captures a lot of people. That's something that a lot it's of It's a vision. Want. It is. It's a vision. We want hmm. to be one that, but also nationalism triggers the left something hard. And, <laughs> and that's a bonus. It, exactly. But it's not <laughs> just a bonus. It's a political strategy because, well, how do I explain this? If your component, if your, if your opponent is complaining about it all the time, <laughs> it puts it in the spotlight. But hmm. Australians want, they want a vision of what's, what Australia can look like. We're kind of in sort of like this, um, what is this like limbo period where no one really knows what this country is anymore? Mm. We've lost our British heritage. I personally would like to see our British heritage come back myself, but that's because my dad's from England. <laughs> but uh, One Nation actually captures that. I think the problem with One Nation is its is its early years. 
and that heritage has infected the brand. And I'm just, I don't hold these views myself. I think that Pauline today is a very different person to what she was when she started out in politics, as we all are. And I think that, that you know, the party is different today. Um, but uh, I can't see the Asian Australian community getting behind One Nation. I know some conservative Asian Australians some will. Do. I mean, how do you feel? Yeah, I know some do. But, but you know, is that the brand itself is tarnished. I think we need a new name. We need a new, a new look. Um, I, I want to for a conservative party to really work. I, 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 I want to, I want to acknowledge your qualification and expertise. Like you get paid big bucks by companies for helping them with communication and and branding stuff. So I want to, I, I guess in, I'm going to disagree I with you. Get paid big bucks. <laughs> I, I'm going to disagree with don't you, and I, but I don't want to, you know, dismiss you. Um, so having said, I, I understand you know what you're talking about, and. and should be listened to. I think that used to be the case, and I think right. I think mm. people like Mark Latham joining the party have yeah. really helped to wash that. Mm. Uh, you know, number two Senate pick being I, I, I an Indian that, immigrant from the mining community. That yeah, I certainly think that's true among the conservative community, but I don't know if we're going to get the centrists over, or we're going to get moderate Fair conservatives point. over. I, it's but just, and, I, and I'm speaking with someone who moved to Asia for 18 years and then came back. So I have missed the whole transformation of One Nation. My memory of Pauline was when I, I was a porter running around, following her around, and everyone thought she was a racist because she dared yeah. to suggest that you know perhaps we should honour our own uh, our own uh, value system in this country. Is- they probably didn't express it very well. Sorry so, to cut you off, George. What yeah, were you sorry, going to say, George? George, yeah, George uh, Damien's idea. No, no. I was just going to say exactly the same thing to you. I think there's been. Um, a change in One Nation, I think that's been noticeable to a lot of people. Sure, I think even if you had a brand name change, those people who um, would vote against One Nation for those issues probably wouldn't vote against it, wouldn't vote for them. Anyway. Uh, anyway. Uh, my personal view on that is that anyway. But uh, um, look, I had... Uh, Aboriginal and Islander people that were happily taking the One Nation card from me. Some of them said as they grabbed it on the way through, that's the one. I had Asian people that were taking the card from me. Some of them saying that's the one. Uh, so I don't think it is the big deflector these days that it once was. In fact, the only uh, uh, member of One Nation in Queensland, State MP, uh, mm. is the only South Sea Islander uh, heritage uh, politician in Australia. That I know of, anyway. So, there you go. Benjamin Roberts Robson says, "ONP One Nation Party will likely only move on and progress when Pauline Hanson retires, so the party stops just being the Pauline Hanson Party in the eyes of the voters." Mm. Uh, and that's a shame because, again, I think that reflects negatively on Pauline in an unfair way. But um, you know, I think we're talking about a woman here who went, was, you know, went to jail. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, was a political prisoner, uh, and who endured that. Um, that changes a person, um, and I think she's very much, you know, matured. And I think she was exonerated years. for that, wasn't she? Yeah, she completely. Was. Yeah. Yep. But um, that shouldn't have happened in the first place. But there you go. <laughs> Whatever you think of Pauline, uh, that's actually an advantage to have that big personality. I can't remember the name of the guy who was the head of the Anti Saloon League, but it was a, it was a major personality which drove it. And that's what helped coalesce the support. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to get behind Clive very much. Not no. many people want to get behind Clive. Not many no. people like that, um, like what he's offering. But um, 
But Pauline Hanson, on the other hand, she actually stirs up a lot of people on the on the right. But that it, it, you, the goal is not to win over those voters now. The goal is to win them over in 20 years and then 30 years and to build that up over time. I mean, we, we, we always think about the next election. Or the I don't next think the average voter has that vision. I'm, that's, I'm not saying they do. I'm saying that's how We've the Greens achieve their goal, that's by right. looking ahead. And we have to look ahead and think, how is this going to develop over the next 10, 20, 30 years? Because... Uh, I mean, you've made this point many times, though, but if the Liberal Party keeps going in the direction it's it's going, what's going to be the difference between it and the Greens in just a couple of elections? Well, the difference between them and the Greens today will be nothing. The Liberal Party 10 years from now will be the Greens of today. It's crazy, isn't it? It's inevitable, unless they change direction or momentum. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Geist just told the ABC that uh, while losing seats to independence is nothing new, it should prompt political parties to reflect. Good thinking there, Matthew. Uh, elections. <laughs> and here we are. Yes. Elections give you a message. They've given both the Liberals and the Labor Party a message in Victoria. It's now up to all of us to listen to the message because Victorians are saying they want change. No, uh, no comment about what the message is. What the change ought to be. What the problem that, is. There it ends the story. You know, I blame the yeah, ABC and Matthew Guy for that nonsense. Honestly, it's just blah. That, that could have been something out of the office, what you read. Yeah, like, hilarious. It is that ridiculous, you know. Yeah. Well, Victorians are given a message, a uh, message of change, and uh, <laughs> we've got to accept they want change, and change is the message. And the message <laughs> is all about change, and we've got to heed that message and change. Yes. Um, Michael Marks just, says we're all morons. There's nothing new. The Greens achieve their goal because they're financed by the globalist, communist, Zionists, and Freemasons. Duh. No balls to speak out. Well, that's uh, Michael's <laughs> uh, deep, deep thinking there. Um, Clive, Virginia says well, Clive well, is... Well, well, can I actually just say, uh, you shouldn't just... Um, uh, yeah, yeah, like, uh, I, I don't know about the, the Zionists and the Freemasons part of it. Uh, well, yeah, half of it's But the rubbish. Green Movement is a very well-funded, internationally networked... No dispute at all. ...organisation. Uh, you just got to have a look at some of the, the major trusts, uh, the very wealthy people that are donating into that and how they pursue agendas in other countries. Uh, the Green Movement is the most well-oiled movement in terms of finance of all political movements in the world. There's uh, no doubt they're backed by internationalist money. I mean, that's been true. Like I said, when I was talking about them before, they, the, uh, the feminists and the, social, and the Greens come out of the same socialist influences of the 19th century. And we just have to figure out how they write us a check. It's coming from somewhere. There's well, no doubt. There's a lot of money coming from somewhere. I can't see that. Camp As I said, I can't see the Ryan campaign costing them less than 200000 So I have no idea you know. how they get their funding, but I, I, I do know that, that it's a massive internationalist movement. And it's, yeah. Gazcam says... Sorry, mate. Go ahead. Gazcam says, perhaps getting behind a single freedom party might be the way. Multiple fragmented slices of the pie hasn't worked. We will be lucky to get a vote again. The communists have the keys to the castle. Congratulations to Klaus Schwab. <laughs> <laughs> Mark McGowan has a lesson for Matthew Guy here. He's come out and said the Liberal Party are a fringe group after defeat. Um, uh, he told the ABC that, uh, uh, while well, dismissing suggestions that his popularity had anything to do with Labor's uh, poll doing well in, uh, in WA, um, he said that uh, the Liberal Party at both the state and federal level doesn't appeal to mainstream Australia. They've become quite a fringe group. They don't have very talented people in the parliament, both state and federal. They're off, niche on, off on a niche issue, issues and arguing with each other rather than promoting the interests of the state. 
That, Matthew, guides how you deliver a statement and position a message, okay? You don't come out with wishy-washy waffle. You come out with a strong statement and you bat hard. Um, you might want to listen to the guy who's got 53 out of 59 seats in his state parliament and learn a lesson or two from the Labor Party on that front. Promoting the interests of Matthew the Matthew Guy state. will teach you how to I mean, lose. Because you get a more co collectivist statement than that. That's the goal of a political party, to promote the interests of the state. Mm. I mean, That right there is national socialism. Mm. But he's a national socialist, so that's good. That's a strong message. Yeah. He, 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 well, know, we well, need to do the same there. This is very interesting. Really, They seem to be off that is on these issues in arguing with each other rather than promoting the interests of the state. Of oh, the state! And the people of the state. <laughs> it's like state. almost he's gone, oh, 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 I've released my real thought. And the people yeah. of the state. I mean the people. Not just the state. Not just the state. The people of the state. The people are not the people of the state. Yeah, you're <laughs> correct. Yeah. The state that serves the people. Yeah. yeah. 100%. This is the problem with the problem. Yeah. And, and, but the problem is a lot of people do like that and they see themselves as servants of the state. Yes. I mean, uh, we could get into a whole other discussion here, yeah. right, but we've all encountered that like, silly argument the last couple of Well, we've got to break that idea, that thinking that the, that the, the collective uh, is equated to community. Yes. Um, that, that, you know, that we have to serve the state in order to serve the collective. No, we can be good Christians. We can look after each other. We can take care of each other. Uh, or, or good we are Jews not or the Muslims people or Buddhists the or whatever, but we don't have to be, uh, you know, seeing that we're, you know, yeah. uh, subservient to the state in that process. But that's how he sees it. And let's be honest, that's the situation in Western Australia right now. Mm. Yeah. I have to go and do my job, Dave, so I'm going to have to duck out. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, well, that's I'm, okay. Um, uh, I'll, I may come back. Uh, are you late for that? <laughs> no, I, well, I'm a little late back a little bit. for that, but I'll just, uh, I do have to just, it's yeah, a, yeah, it's a three thirty thing. Actually, really great. We'll do a close up on Matt. You can duck out behind here, and nobody will see you go. We're going to say goodbye to Damien Curie right now, and Bye, um, thank you so much, thank you so much Damien. Damien will be back on the Good Source Monday show periodically uh, when I can drag him away from making money to come and donate some studio time. Uh, but um, really that's just feeding my family at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, we can get some more of his insights and analysis. Thank you guys. Great to talk to you. Great to see you, Jules. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Uh, Matt, can you? Um, oh, you're not ready. We're going to let Damien. Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, we're going to. <laughs> and next to entertain you, Dylan Oakley will dance. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Yeah. That's that all right. a good idea. All right, um, Matt, <laughs> you you have some thoughts to share. So, what is good about the Labor win? Our civilization is in decline. There is no doubt about it. Everyone can see it except for the most ignorant of people. Things are tending towards decay and anarchy in different parts. I mean, look at America right now. They're struggling to get baby powder for their kids. And this is increasing. It's not decreasing. This is leading to an anxiety among citizens and is partially contributing to increasing hysteria amongst people on either side of the political divide during the lead up to elections. It is common to hear, and I have heard this for the last few election cycles, that this is the election of the century or the most important election of our time. You constantly hear this. This is the desperate last stand that we must hold the line. I heard many messages like that in this last election. At least I hear this a lot on the conservative side. I do think the progressives do similar stuff on the environmental issues, though, but I'm not on the progressive side, so I can't speak to that. As I said, this is partly being driven by people's anxiety about their way of life slipping away. People on both sides can feel it happening. So let me encourage you with a powerful proverb from the scriptures. Confidence in an unfaithful man in a time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. <laughs> 
In other words, there is no no use hoping in politicians to turn everything around. They are unfaithful men and women. They break covenants often and easily. We need a miracle of the Almighty God. But I want to suggest several reasons why a labor win might not be the end of civilization as we know it, like people are arguing. I am not a labor person myself, which you've heard today, but here are some reasons to be optimistic about their win. Firstly, they might actually bring back manufacturing. If they do, this is awesome. The LMP were foolish to let manufacturing, car manufacturing fold. It's far too valuable not to have. We need it because manufacturing is the basis of any successful power in modern war. We need it because building things helps us build other things and leads to development and advancements that would not otherwise be made. We need it because it creates the kind of jobs men can use to provide for their family with. And we need it because there is a sense of pride in driving or owning something built by your own nation. And this is not unimportant. A nation that builds good things will help instill, instill pride in their everyday working men. And this flows on to the rest of society. We want this. We can't all be nasal-gazing academics and gender theory nuts with degrees um, with more points than we have than they have IQs. They'll be less likely to drum up war with China. Whether we like it or not, China is the dominant power in our region, and we must either cut off ourselves off from the region completely or try to get along with them. No amount of weapons will protect us from such a superpower, and alliances always cause wars. Joining a military alliance is always historically setting yourself up for war, and we can't win such a war. And if you are not aware of how joining a military alliance helps lead people to get into bad fights they need not have, I recommend reading a good book on the courses of World War One or Two. or you can just simply observe how, the lip, how lippy the small guy at the pub is when he's there with his three big mates compared to when he's alone. It's the exact same dynamic with nations. The best chance of a royal commission, this is the third point, the best chance of a Royal Commission into the handling of the last two and a half years is by a Labour victory. This is a slim hope, but there are a lot of people connected to a lot of unions that will be injured, upset, and looking for justice. Pray for this to happen. Fourth, government lending money for houses is better than offering us our own super. That was patronising. Both will drive up inflation, but at least Labour's policy doesn't bankrupt your retirement at the exact same time. Fifth, the LNP will be forced to record their conservative base. They need a time in the wilderness so they can self-reflect. Maybe they will not actually do this, but they will be further incentivized to do it. Labor uh, six. Labor might address real-world wage decline. LNP policy continually drove buy, wage buying power down. High immigration, easy access to debt, lack of support for manufacturing, and finally, the largest stimulus in the history of our nation. All of this drives up the cost of everything and effectively makes us poorer. Now, it's not all good. Labor is shocking on a lot, gender, environment, and more, but it's not all bad either. And so that's my editorial for today. What do you think, George? Bring back uh, car manufacturing? Um, look, I, uh, sorry, hang a second. I'm just uh, doing something technical here. Um, look, uh, it would be good. We shouldn't have lost it. Uh, my gripe with the car manufacturers was how much money that they were uh, practically extorting out of taxpayers. But uh, the fact was that um, most um, modern nations, most nations full stop, that actually have a car manufacturing sector subsidise their car manufacturing sector. It almost uh, makes me think then why, why give the money to a... Uh, 
to a major multinational, why don't we set up our own car manufacturing company and mm. uh, have it here in Australia, Australian-owned? Um, you know, I, I would prefer to see that. Uh, but you're right, like something has to be done to get manufacturing back and it needs to be recognised that uh, there isn't a level playing field when it comes to the uh, the, the free and open international market. So um, uh, there's going to have to be rules put in place uh, that, that, that prefer our own. Where, they, where those rules can be put in place. And that's the only way you're going to get manufacturing industry along with cheap energy. Mm. Well, and I, I personally, as much as I, I tend to the right, not the left, I think we've got a better chance of getting some of that back from the Labor Party than we did from the Liberal Party. I mean, it was, was it when Tony Abbott was Prime Minister I, or was it um, when Turnbull, when, when a car manufacturing finally stopped being supported? I can't remember who was, in, who was the Prime Minister at the time. But we were, we, you are absolutely right. They said we have to get rid of it because we have to subsidize it. Matt, can you just make sure your microphone is on? Um, people are saying they can't hear. And if, if it's, is it on? It says on. Charles? Cameras. Yep, yeah, that should be right. Should be on. Yeah, um, right. Maybe just grab Damien's and put it on as well as yours. We'll just turn that off. And make sure it's turned on as well. Some people are saying there's no sound there. So sorry, guys, <laughs> if you're only hearing that through our microphones. I had to. Had to turn it on. Um, while you're playing with that, um, I think the the big problem um, that's going to get in the road of your optimism is the fourth industrial revolution that Klaus Schwab is telling us we have to have, which Labor is certainly subscribing to, um, and that is the the automation of everything. Um, the automation of everything. So we'll get, we might get a car industry back, but there won't be any big, any people in the factories. Many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's the Lord's will that prevails. And Klaus Schwab might be influential, and there might be many people who are influenced by his World Economic Forum, and they might have gotten a lot of their policies through in a lot of nations so far. But the globalist society is fracturing. Do you know what are the things China's doing? Uh, let me uh, get my mind correctly so I don't get this wrong. They're starting to um, create incentives for Chinese um, business people, business leaders, to not own things overseas. Now, why would how they do be? You, how do you incentivize someone to not own things? Well, I can't remember how they're doing it, but the reason they're doing that is because I've just seen how the entire globalist system shut off Russia. Now, and yeah. but this is what they also saw. Russia were prepared for it, and Russia's economy is flourishing because they were already making almost everything they needed. And they and many countries are now buying stuff in the ruble. Uh, their, their, their currency is the, the best the best performing currency of the year. And the people are not going hungry. They're, and China has seen this. And China have a much more powerful manufacturing base, much better technological base, and a much larger and more powerful nation. Mm. And they're observing this. Whereas we're doing the opposite. We're going out of our way to not do anything here, which makes us vulnerable. So, so you asked the question, how do you incentivize people not to own anything? Let me just ask about music collections. I mean, mm. how many people have a whole heap of CDs in their house now? I mean, some people do because of historical reasons. Yeah, that's right. They don't use out. them. Yeah. But how many people have bought CDs in the last five years? Right. And nobody buys CDs. I bought they subscribe to. You did? <laughs> yeah, you did? but I, I've actually, so it's funny you should ask but this it, question because George but, is right, but let me just say why I do. It's because a few a couple of years ago I noticed what was happening, the yeah. trend, and so I've started buying DVDs and, and um, CDs, and because yeah. I want 
So I have something and be able to share it with my children. I buy physical books now. Yeah, well, um, I, I, <laughs> I would, I would, I, I would, but your my wife argument. would kill me. So I, uh, <laughs> I actually uh, uh, have to buy my books uh, online, but um, uh, and digital. But 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 this is case in point. I mean, our books are on Kindle, controlled by big tech. Our uh, our audio books are on Audible, controlled by big tech. Our um, our music that we love to listen to, and maybe uh, even podcasts are on uh, on something controlled by big tech. Um, so, so our videos, um, our TV shows, the documentaries that we want to watch, want to watch, mm. all on big tech. So we're renting it. We're yeah. not owning it anymore. People want to do it. It's already what people do, and they're just building <laughs> on that. You're right. You. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not COVID. It was just a sneeze, by the way. Um, so uh, or, or it wasn't monkeypox either. I'm going to have um, to burn this jacket. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, where, where does that lead? How do we get to a rental society rather than an ownership society? Pretty simple. It's already beginning. It's, it's, already, Interesting. it's not already beginning. It's already here. But it's, all, it's also falling apart. I mean, have you tried buying a dehumidifier right now? No, can't say I've got brushed out. Well, I understand why <laughs> you would want But it, it, seriously, a lot of people are trying to get out of that. They're just disappearing all over the place. I bought one last week. I've already got one at home, but um, I went to buy an extra one last week for my garage and it got it into the cart and said it was purchased. And I got an email back a couple of days later saying it's cancelled. It's refunded. And you go through all the all the, um, all the the, the, the the websites where you can buy these things are disappearing. You try to buy a PlayStation and store, you can't. Try to buy an Xbox and store, you can't. That, like we talked about cars before, the whole automated system is dependent on computer chips and there's a computer chip shortage. The mm. global reset can't work and it's not going to work. I'm not worried about it because I don't think there's an evil agenda. I believe there is an evil agenda, but it's failing. And we, we, we need to start preparing ourselves. I definitely believe resistance is not futile. Awesome. Um, yeah. I definitely believe that, and, and I I believe in biblical prophecy and its inevitability, but I also believe we must be salt and light and hold back the tide as long as we possibly can, um, and evil must absolutely be resisted. Whether you do it out of religion or patriotism, evil and injustice and tyranny must absolutely be resisted at every single second. And if there was one thing I would want to change, if I had a magic wand to fix the electoral system, it would be for voters to stop thinking about themselves and start thinking about their nation and their neighbours. If we were all motivated to improve justice, liberty and peace for everyone else, um, instead of only being involved and interested when it made us uncomfortable or impoverished, then we would have and preserve a better liberty, justice and peace for our nation. It, it brings up that other, you know, when you talk about, you know, consume, consume, consumerism mm. and ownership, uh, what's come out of the last couple of years, and it's been particularly noticed in the freedom movement, is this idea of community, yep. uh, that we don't all need to own everything. Uh, we can, you know, indeed borrow things off our neighbours and our friends and, and have things in common. So it's, it, that's a community way. And I think what has, what has this whole system has been shaken in that sense so that we're starting to look out for each other. And you, you'll notice, I haven't noticed some of the comments coming through, Dave, there are people mentioning that idea of community again. Uh, 
so these are the these are the things that we can kind of be shifted towards a little bit. I'm not in any way suggesting that Klaus Schwab own nothing uh, and and be happy is the, is the answer at all. Uh, we resist that completely. But there there I'm pleased to see that uh, that that idea of community is increasing, and we need to get there. We need to get there quickly. I think uh, relying on our own individuality and and, and media and and uh, being an island unto ourselves is is being challenged really badly at the moment. Yep. Mike Drop Gospel. Justin says evil prevails because good men do nothing. Thanks, yep. Justin. Love all your comments coming in. By the way, everybody, we're going to start wrapping this up um, this time next week. Uh, we will be doing this again, and <coughs> Dr. John John Humphreys, founder of the Liberal Democrats, will be joining me. And uh, I've been speaking to him today, and and we're going to again get into this topic of election analysis specifically what do we the freedom voters do now how do we be honest with ourselves how do we examine the options he's an incredibly smart man started the liberal democrats 20 years ago uh and he's very intellectually honest um not as partisan or prejudiced as you might be if you start a party for a start he didn't call it the john humphreys liberal democrats um it's just uh, a brand there so uh, let's continue this conversation and it's not something we can solve in one conversation um so i love your comments that have come in join us again uh next uh, monday afternoon um we will rebroadcast it that night uh and we want to just have that conversation about you know what are these options do we uh, amalgamate or, or do we just voluntarily all flock to a party like One Nation? Uh, do we infiltrate the Liberal Party and, and try and fix them? Or do we uh, infiltrate something a little bit more easy to uh, influence like the Nationals, um, who've got a much better constitution and declaration of values than, than the Liberal Party do and are much historically more prone to conservatism? Um, you know, there's no easy answers. Uh, we need to have this conversation. And uh, certainly one of the things we have to do is keep diluting the mainstream media with shows um, that you'll find on The Good Source. Um, George Christensen, head over to that. I'll put that banner up again for you now, georgechristensen.com.au. Uh, on the links there, you will be able to find his Substack channel. Head over there and start subscribing. Let me encourage you uh, for only $10 a month or $100 a year or a little bit less to make it sound marketing friendly. Um, you are going to be able to support this man's uh, voice continuing in the national conversation that we need to be having. Um, George isn't somebody we want to lose from politics. The more he is a threat to the green, a burr in their saddle, um, then the more we will be entertained. It would just be better than, than you know, Hollywood. Can I entertain you just a little bit, very, with one little snippet? Uh, the um, gap has officially been closed already under an easy Labor Greens government uh, in the uh, prime ministerial press room. Australian flags have been removed and uh, <gasps> Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander flags have been put in. There still is one remaining Are Australian flag. Are you serious? Flag. There was one remaining Australian flag, but there used to be a plethora of the Australian flags. Now they've left one flag and they've put in alongside it an Aboriginal flag and a Torres Strait Islander flag. So we have now closed the traitorous mongrel. to flags. Oh, my. Oh. 
Yeah, it's going to be a fun three have, years, isn't it? Mind should you. Put, should put the Chinese one in there as well, just for the hell of it. <laughs> oh, well, listen, to be honest. I thought you were going to give us really good news about Pauline Hansen being closer to filling her quota. No. I, was just, no, I didn't want to wrong end on that. Closed. <laughs> uh, wrong gap. Just, uh, yeah, I mean, let's try changing the life expectancy of Aboriginals. Let's try Correct. reducing the rate of sexual violence in their homes. Um, let's actually try closing gaps that will help uh, Indigenous Australians who we love dearly as fellow Australians. All offence intended to one particular Greens senator. Well, Jacinta's going to have a good stab at getting those issues to the forefront now. Oh, she will be very good. She's going to be awesome. Well, thank you very much, everyone. Let's just read these final comments before we sign off. Uh, Esther says, so angry about the removal of flags in Parliament. Uh, Annette Harris, Jacinta Price is in. Marie Bloodmere. Budimir, I'm sorry for pronouncing that too fast. Who removed all the Australian flags? Albo. And not um, all of them, I've got to be honest. Not all. One Australian flag remains, and there's now an Aboriginal one and the Torres Strait Islander one giving it the same Flag prominence. of rebellion, protest and division. Right, the same prominence. Uh, was the election rigged? Short answer is no. No, no, no. Sorry, that wasn't as short as I wanted it to be. Um, but it's very simple. The, the election wasn't rigged, guys. It's our fault. We need to look at what we can do better, not blame other people and things we can't change. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of conversation and comments in here about uh, we need to change the system. Well, you don't get to do that because you don't control the system. If we were in charge, yeah, we'd throw it away. Uh, we've got to work with what we've got, which is exactly what the Marxists did in 1950s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, noughties and teens. And now we're here and they own everything because they worked from within the system. You've got to infiltrate. It's, it's. I mean, how to just copy the people who have done it successfully. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right, so many conversations coming. Did you personally count every single vote? Well, that was a sound refutation of my argument. Uh, well done. Um, all right, that's it. So glad we could entertain you all for two hours. Really appreciate um, your time. Uh, we will see you out there in the comments on various channels. Um, and, yeah, please uh, do stay engaged for the next three years. We've got the Victorian election coming up. We've got other elections coming up. We've got the federal election just three years from now when we need to save Senators Rennick, Antic and Malcolm Roberts. Um, we can't disengage now. We have to keep up the work nonstop. And after we get everything sorted and Australia's wonderful again, we are again going to need to stay that way to preserve the peace instead of waiting until it comes back to bite us. Uh, any final words, gentlemen, before I play the outro? No, I think that uh, it was a great summary before. Awesome. Yeah, you've done a good job. Yeah. Thank you all. Good night. Today, we need a special kind of courage. Not the kind needed in battle, but a kind which makes us stand up for everything that we know is right, everything that is true and honest. We need the kind of courage that can withstand the subtle corruption of the cynics so that we can show the world that we're not afraid of the future.